0: Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash collinslaststand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast Sacred Symbols, the Eclectic Interview Series Fireside Chats, and the YouTube Gaming Series SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks, too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback, totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by my brother, my greatest childhood fear, Dagan Moriarty. (laughs) I'm pretty scary. You're a pretty scary guy. I'm frightening. No, you are. You are not my greatest childhood fear. I'm only kidding, Dave. I can't wait to hear what your what, what your greatest fear is, though. Oh, well, we'll get th- we'll get into all oh, of this. Oh, yes. We'll get into all of this and all of that. I'm scared. Welcome, audience, to another episode of Knockback. Of course, this is our retro and nostalgia podcast I do with my brother every week over on Patreon.com slash Last Stand, where you can support us to get early ad-free access to every episode of the show, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to our show, the ability to submit your own topic ideas and vote on the topic ideas of others, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We could not do it without you. Dagan, as I've already insinuated, and as the title of the podcast surely told you, this is about <laughs> our greatest childhood fears. And I really like doing these kind of amorphous episodes of knockback where it's not a t- it's not a movie, it's not a video game. It's like a it's a feeling, let's say. Or a, a, an overarching topic, like when we did the video store and we really just talked about what that was like. It wasn't sure. really about the history of the video store. It was about what it was like to go to the video store. And so these are fun. These topics. Yeah, I like these, too. They're nice and loose, yes. like our Fourth of July topic, for instance, nice and loose, loosey goosey. And this in order of we're recording them anyway, I think they're going to go up out of order, actually. But this is the last one we're recording in, uh, in wave nine. So we appreciate your support as we get into wave 10, which we will record in Santa Monica sometime in September of 2019. It will be Dagan's turn to choose the topic. So I'm really excited to see what he comes up with there. Yippee! Now, Dake. Yeah. Before we get into our greatest childhood fears and those of our audience, which I want to frame this entire episode around, I think I'm just going to read them up front and then we'll go from there. You've been thrilling me with this all week. In fact, yeah. So I told Dagan to not read the comments. So, All right. So let me back up a second and tell you how all this goes. We'll give you a little bit of a behind the scenes look. Patreon's a little limited in its, like, And it's uh, it's administration set, let's say, of things you can do. Right. So I can only log in as myself and I can't really give Dagan his own login yet because he could log in as me. But then there's like two factor authentication and all that kind of stuff. So Dagan really only sees the feedback when I read it on or hears it when I read it on the show, which is really great because he gets surprised by it. But I sent him all of the questions in a Google Doc, as I sometimes do, and asked him to print it out for me since we're in his house. And I just instructed him not to read these. And and he didn't because I think that they're pretty funny. It reminds me a lot of the recess story episode and all of that. (laughs) There's some pretty interesting ones in here that I think. Yeah, well, this will drive, I think, that the podcast forward for us today, which is going to be really exciting. But before we do all of that, let's begin with our opening segment for wave nine, which is all about luck. Do you feel
1: lucky, punk?
0: Explain it to the audience. So, again,
1: I'm pretty fascinated with the idea of luck. I really, really am intrigued by that. I'm fascinated by it. And I thought it would be fun to test Colin's luck during during this batch of shows and see what his luck looked like. From show to show and see if it changed or see if it remained consistent, see if he was lucky, see if he was. You know what I haven't asked you, though? This would have been a really cool barometer all along to ask you how you were feeling. Were you
0: feeling lucky at this point? Were you not feeling lucky? I'm not really seeing if the luck proved out. I'm never really feeling very lucky. OK, I'm, I'm too pessimistic to feel like anything's going to go my way. Interesting. OK, that's so- just my natural state. So it would be interesting then if you were super lucky. Right. It would be nice because it would be unexpected. I never expect good things so that I'm always surprised when they happen.
1: <laughs> so college is going to do a few different quick tests of his luck. He's going to draw a card, roll a die, a single die, flip a coin and guess a number that we have written on a post-it, a folded up post-it note. So where are you going to any con you going to go in order of odds? This yeah, time? we'll go
0: in order of greatest odds, to lowest odds. All and right. it's worth noting, by the way, just as an aside to what I just said a moment ago, also, I expect bad things to happen so I can tell you I told you so. OK. All right. I understand. That's very common. I like to play both sides. <laughs> He's right. flipping his penny. I'm going to flip the penny, call it tails, tails. It lands and it lands tails. So we're one for one. There you go. So far. Now, the next one up is the die. You've stuck to your guns with that coin. You've called yep. tails every time. You ha- I have to keep calling tails. If I was a football player and I was the f- captain of the Jets and I was sent out to the front Or to the uh, center of the field to call, I would always call tails. But you're not doing the same with the die. The die? No, no, no. I'm always just I'm doing what I feel is right. Okay. And what's right right now out of this one six d is five.
1: He says five. Two.
0: Two. Two. No good. Close. All right. The next one up is
1: the number. You said one out of seven. This is a one out of seven odds. You have to guess. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. One out of seven odds. You have to guess a letter. Oh, for, I switched it up. OK. This is the definition of creativity, my friend. I know you're very creative. <laughs> guess a letter from
0: A to G. A to G. From A to G. That sounded a little more sarcastic than I intended. You really are creative. <laughs> a to G. I'm going to say C for Colin. Colin. Oh,
1: I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Nice. See,
0: there we go. C for Collins. C for CLS. No, they're very, very good. Right, see the I C in they? CLS is Collins. So there we go. That's or it's correct. actually Collins. Collins. But not like Phil Collins, is which we heard. <laughs> you wish. I wish. I love Phil C- Collins. Oh, one of the greats. Is that one of your favorites? Ooh, take away oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. You know
1: what my favorite of all time is?
0: Mm. I could feel it coming in the air tonight.
1: That'll that'll play in our Miami Vice episode that Colin's oh. dreading.
0: <laughs> yeah, I gotta go
1: watch five seasons of Miami oh Vice my at some God. point. I'll do it. It's the most depressing show ever. I'll do That's it. That's why I think you're gonna love it. Oh, I love depressing. It's things. dark.
0: Oh, good. Is it really? Is it really it dark? Really it really is remember. dark.
1: That show is dark. I don't remember it being dark. I
0: mean, you can't judge by the pastel colored clothing. It's dissonant. <laughs> Very nice. All right. So we have cards here. We have 12 cards, three of each suit. I'm just okay. going to pull one out. I've already shuffled them. I'm pulling this one out. I'm calling it a spade. Call a spade it's a, a spade. Oh, so two for bad. four is not bad. But. Two for four is not bad. That's one of your better showings. Yeah, not bad. Two I'll allow
1: four. that. Last one. Congratulations on your luck. Thank you. Thank you for playing.
0: Thank you for uh, allowing me to play. <laughs> Anytime. Appreciate that. Anytime, my friend. That was a good opening segment. Oh, I'll be you liked it? See, I'll be interested to see what you come up with next. I have a whole list. It's very exciting. I'm excited. What's more exciting is to hear some of these greatest childhood fears. Oh, here we fears. go. I have a
1: feeling you guys are going to make me laugh with these.
0: Some of them are serious. Some of them are, yeah, I think, I think we'll be able to find humor in almost all of these because, of course, childhood fears are almost always irrational. So not always, but almost always yeah, irrational. Yeah, they could be, sure. So I just kind of have three pages of the memories you guys submitted. I want to read through them and then we'll intersperse our own as they make sense. And then when we get to the end (laughs) of yours, if there are ones we haven't brought up yet, we can, of course, talk about those to round out this episode. So, Dig, I'm going to start with Jeremy Cochran, who said, was there a more irrational fear than thinking a shark was in your swimming pool (laughs) of choice? (gasps) Insane, I know, but it was still there for me when I was younger, especially swimming at night. I so had this fear and still do.
1: Really, I really I every time I swim in the pool as a child, as a kid, and we always had pools, grew up with a pool in the backyard. I never thought. I, and you know what? The You know what the most irrational thing about it is? I wouldn't be afraid if there was someone else in the pool with me. Does that make any sense?
0: Completely irrational. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It is a ira- rat. I mean, it's, completely it's irrational. It's, it's but that's the same thing like when you're in the dark or something and it's not as scary as if the same exact thing. Yeah, you just have to have some like misery loves company kind of situation. <laughs> But yeah, I was never really afraid of the water. So you never thought that as a kid? No,
1: I don't the think shark, so. You never fantasized about the shark
0: in the swimming pool? Well, I would fantasize about different things happening in the pool, but, you know, when I was playing G.I. Joe or doing something like that, but it was never like a thing where I thought I was going to... It's never a dark fantasy. No, I will, I will bring up... One thing I will say, though, is that I saw a movie of some sort. I don't remember what it was, or it could have been a TV show where... God, I wish I remember what it was. Maybe someone can tell me what it what it was, if this strikes a, a memory, a deep memory or that anyone has. Sometime in the mid 90s, I saw something when we were still in the Marie Courthouse, when we had the in-ground pool. Yeah, that like a girl was basically murdered in this movie or in this TV show. She like dove under the water. And then when she tried to come up, it was like covered in oh, plastic or something. So don't she couldn't tell me this. Fear. So she couldn't come up. I do remember that being a scary thing, like suffocating. Yeah, that's a big fear of mine. Being and not being able to breathe. I have that, too. Yeah, that's a that's a scary one for me. Yeah, that's a scary. And that thing you just said, I think about that, too. Like, I I remember for a while, like coming up with my hand first, you know, sometimes you would emerge with your head just like make sure there was nothing there. That's another irrational fear. I I wish I knew where that came from, because how is that even possible? It's not.
1: It's really not. I really tend to think the most creative people have the most creative
0: fears, you know, possibly so. I think so. Chad Lewis wrote into us. Hi, Chad. Said growing up in Massachusetts, the Cape and summer swimming is a a rite of passage as much as Fenway Park and the Red Sox. I know where this is going. And in the Lewis family, another rite of passage (laughs) seems to be watching movies way too early on in our lives. Me and my brother grew up on Jaws as young ones, and I was most certainly a kid who was afraid of being devoured in any body of water and was completely unwilling to take anybody's word otherwise about any other body of water. I still have trouble swimming in the ocean or anything. I can't see the bottom of today. So were you... Afraid of g- swimming in the ocean ever and the creatures Yo, that would, yeah. would encounter you there? Yeah.
1: You know what's funny about the ocean, though? You, We grew up, everybody that grew up in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, we all grew up with the Jaws fear. You know, Spielberg put the fear of God in us when it came to going to the beach. But there was a there was a long period of time where the beach, like swimming in the ocean, didn't bother me. But now I think about it a lot. Now, I, th- so I love swimming in the ocean. In fact, we just got back from the shore. My family's still down there. They'll be home tomorrow. But we- I was down the shore last week. The water, I was telling you and dad, the water was so warm. It was like a bathtub down in Avalon, New Jersey. It's gorgeous. And we, me and my daughter, my 12-year-old, swam for like two hours in the ocean. And I think, I think about it now with kids. And there was also a great white uh, sighting somewhere in Delaware or something. My father-in-law is very good about telling us and scaring the hell out of us every time there's a, you know, there's almost never an incident, but you always think about it, you know, especially because the ocean, it's just the inherent thing of the ocean. It's so murky. You can't see, you know, especially in the Northeast of the United States, it's not like swimming in the Caribbean or something where you could see the bottom in six feet of water. You can't see anything. So, and in fact, you know what happened to me, Colin? This never happened to me before. And you have to remember me and Colin grew up on Long Island, something really big, swam into the side of my leg now it felt like very smooth and round it felt like the head of a fish but it was big i mean it felt like a big fish that's never happened to me before i felt some kind of sea life when swimming in the beach that's first time and you i knew it was something living and i think it was really honestly just a fish but that's never happened to me it kind of creeped me out that's kind of creeped me out a
0: little bit my whole thing with swimming in the ocean i love swimming in the ocean and my whole thing about it is that it's just worth the risk people are going (laughs) to die in the ocean (laughs) Shit's going to happen to you in the ocean. You're not meant to be in the ocean. We are not meant to be in the water. And so it's just one of those risks that you run. And it's just a numbers game. It's like just like anything else. When there's just a mass of people doing something, someone's going to get hurt or die doing it and some crazy shit's gonna happen to them so i <laughs> that is insane way so, to look at it so I've, I've just never really been that afraid of it you know what really creeped me out more than anything were jellyfish especially yes. on the south shore of long island they would they we would they would like really swarm there at certain times of the year and it's like it's fucked up dad that, used to get hit a lot that's creepy as shit and i don't they especially because the waves on long island chop them up so bad that they're mostly dead and it's just their bodies Diced just up bodies float, but they're still poisonous if any of their little tentacles get you and then you have to you get stung or whatever, even if yeah, they they're hurt. dead They hurt so that used to not creep me out But that would scare me where if I saw that I wouldn't want to go in the ocean And then and there's the what the Portuguese man-of-war or whatever that oh, yeah, like, the man o' war yeah. really like a kind of a deadly
1: and, and they're really the tiny box jellyfish. Yeah, they're
0: tiny. I think too I think these the, the most deadly yeah because the box jellyfish I think is like off of Australia or something, right? That's in different waters and they're like apparently like the size of like a quarter or something oh, weird like that, that.
1: I didn't know that. They're yeah. that tiny. Oh, wow.
0: I think like the some of the deadliest jellyfish are some of the smallest ones. Why are jellyfish so mean? I don't know. They're What's creepy. What's wrong with them? They're really creepy. I don't they even really, creepy. I don't understand how they even work. They're just very strange. Little robots. Yeah, they're very dumb, like prim- primitive animals that have just survived all this time. They don't seem to really operate on the same level as even a lot of other sea creatures. So, yeah, they really creeped me out. I don't know. I think I was stung a few times, but. I would stay out of the water for them. I, I get creeped out if anything touches me in the water, though. Like if there's a lot of seaweed and stuff kind of percolating around there, that kind of creeps me out, too. Okay, But now, where do you stand on lakes, Kyle? Lakes are a little scarier. I agree. These encapsulated bodies of water. Snapping turtle. Oh, that, that's yeah, that they can get you. They they're leeches.
1: Oh, leeches. I never thought of because they're in freshwater. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So lakes. Yeah, not a big lake.
0: I don't know. I'm not sure. I've, I think I swam in Glacier Lake in Montana. I think that might be one of the only lakes I've ever swam in in my life. That must have been cool. It was free. It was really cool. It, it was fucking frigid. I remember actually that dad told the story that like he immediately made me get out because it was like so cold Too cold uh, in the uh, it's, it is glacial meltwater. So I assume it's wow. uh, I assume oh, it's very man, cold. That's got to be. Ugh. But I remember that very well. 1995, summer 1995. Jose Horich wrote into us and said, as a child, my fears were nature based and usually were things I would never come across in the area I would live in. Things like tornadoes, piranhas and lava. But nothing was scarier (laughs) than quicksand. I was terrified of walking a path in the woods, just accidentally fall into that liquid earth of death. It's funny to think about now, as that's never going to happen. But as a child, quicksand was everywhere in my mind. Quicksand's fascinating because it was movies and especially video games that put quicksand on my on my exactly radar. I but I don't really think it operates like that in the real world. I don't think it's like sucking you under in two seconds. Maybe there's like some places where the earth is Wait, liquefying. What like
1: that. is it? What? Let's talk about quicksand for a second.
0: This is a fascinating topic. What the hell is it? I'm gonna look. I'm going to look it up because I don't I remember looking at like a video not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago about it's what a it real was, thing? Like, it is a real thing. Quicksand is a real thing, but okay. it's not what you think. I don't think I'm going to the quicksand wiki right now. All right, please. So it says quicksand is a colloid hydrogel consisting of fine granular materials such as sand, silt or clay and water. Quicksand forms in saturated, loose sand when the sand is suddenly agitated. When water in the sand cannot escape, it creates a liquefied soil that loses strength and cannot support weight. Quicksand can form in standing water or in upwards floating water. And then let's see. Liquefaction. That's where I know that from, liquefaction from earthquakes. It says, is a special case of quicksand. In this case, sudden earthquake forces immediately increase the pore pressure of shallow groundwater. And then it says in popular culture, quicksand is a trope of adventure fiction, particularly in film, where it is frequently and unrealistically depicted as being able to actively suck people, animals or objects. Because It can never be that deep, can it? I guess. Well, what I'm saying is, I guess, theoretically, the earth can liquefy so violently that I guess it could suck you under. But it makes it seem like this happens in like seconds. You step into this thing and you're gone. And so I've never been afraid of quicksand, but maybe it's just that fear. When you go into the quicksand, you're going to suffocate. And that, that touches that fear for me. Oh, man. And they say don't struggle, right? You can't or you'll sink faster. Right. But this it was is, always it's almost like a trope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting.
1: I never thought I never knew to think uh, to research whether it existed or not. So that's interesting. Another thing to be afraid of. Yeah,
0: why not? Very, very nice. Austin Smith wrote in and said, hey, guys, I think Dagan might understand this one as one of my biggest childhood fears, Uh-oh. which was related to the classic animated movie Peter and the Wolf. OK, that wolf scared the living shit out of me. I can still vividly remember the ominous music that would play while the wolf was menacingly walking behind the trees that would haunt me every night before I would go to sleep for years. And yet my dumb ass would rent it every time my dad would take me to Hastings. I don't know what was wrong with me. Do you know that
1: that what he's talking about? <laughs> yes, there? I know
0: Peter and the Wolf.
1: I, I, but you know, it's funny. I never really was afraid of that film. I was never afraid of that one. I we you know, we'll talk about my childhood fears and things I was afraid of, including cartoons in a little while. But yeah, that one I don't I don't see that one. But it's funny how different things that's the funny thing about fears. It's funny how different things affect different people. You know, he just saw
0: something in it that's that was that frightened him, you know. Ian wrote in. Hi, Ian. You said, you know how you can hear your heartbeat when your ear is against the pillow? When I was little, I used to think that noise wasn't my heartbeat and instead a woman who lived under the floor in my room. Each beat was one of her footsteps ascending this gigantic stairway from her lair all the way up to my bedroom. I'd have dreams that she would make it to the top and open the trap door and stare at me, convincing me to come down into her underground dungeon. I tried to fall asleep as fast as possible because I didn't want to see her. (laughs) Ian's crazier than I am. (laughs) I didn't think that was possible. You know what this reminded me of for me? What was that show, I think, in the 80s where there was like a giant... And he would come down the stairs and like hit his head or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? It Was like this fantastical. Was it? A, it was. A, it was a live action oh, fantastical live action? thing about a giant or something that lived in a house okay. or some sort of building. Okay, where he I think would come down and like hit his head on. Oh, was it the monsters? No, no, it wasn't oh, okay, the monsters. Okay. No, definitely not the monsters. Okay. It was like something newer than that. Maybe from at the earliest, the 70s, the latest, the 80s. OK. It was this thing that I think I used to rent from the library or something. I I don't know if it had to do with like. Was it like Jack and the Beanstalk or something? weird? I don't know. It was like so, maybe it had something to do know. with like some weird. I don't know. if Does anyone out there know what I'm talking about? Where this giant would like come down the stairs. It wasn't like necessarily was supposed action. to be scary. Right. But that's what came to mind for me. Dana might know because she might have been the one that. Our sister, Dana, might have been the one that rented that for me. She worked at the library. But that's like something that reminds me of that. I don't know what that is, though. I have to look into that. Yeah, that it wasn't a film. It wasn't a film, I don't think. I some think it kind was a TV show. show. Powell Predke wrote in and said, I was born in 1985 and sometime before 1990 while watching the evening news. My dad mentioned that some guy could press a big red button and we would all be blown to smithereens. For fear of he- For fear of hearing this really happening, I didn't watch the news for many years following that feel slightly too late for a Cold War-based fear, but I was still living through it in the 90s in Poland. To be honest, we're always still one stupid mistake or decision away from global annihilation, so take that as a ray of sunshine this summer. All the best, guys. What do you think of that, Dig? <laughs> That's very interesting. Well, because you had a similar fear of nuclear holocaust, didn't you? I did. I did. So talk to me a little bit about I that. I live, well, well, my own? Yeah. I never feared
1: nuclear holocaust. I welcome it. So what do you. Yeah, but you were born (laughs) because I was you got to think I was I was born in 73. I grew up in like, you know, the in part of the Cold War between, you know, the United States and the Soviet Union. And there was so much. We talked about this on the show before. There was so much media surrounding that, whether it was movies, you know, especially movies. You know, it was like the it was always U.S. versus this versus Russia. I mean, even when you look at things like Rocky, like Rocky Four, right? But even when you take things like Red Dawn, from Red Dawn to Rocky Four, it was in all the media, war games, war games, you know, what whatever, whatever it was, Iron Eagle, China Syndrome. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> so much stuff. We were really flooded with that, and I did fear it. I mean, I, I think, I think because I realized I was probably old enough to realize, because I was a little older, even that. That's pretty horrific way to to go. The probably the worst way to go. I mean, radiation. I, I mean, to, or to, you know, to get like burned alive. Like well, that, that would
0: be a pretty instantaneous way to go. That would be fine. But being in the rem, like if you were in Nagasaki or Hiroshima yeah. and you died days later, that was way worse than the people that died immediately.
1: <sighs> yeah, I was afraid of that for a long time. There was a this is a really weird story. I don't know if you guys will understand this, but I'll tell you anyway. I was so scared of this for a long time that I used to think I heard bombs dropping and there was a patch of Sunrise Highway on Long Island where mom and dad would frequently motor down. And I would – when I was in the back of the car, it was like when you go on that – you know what? That certain type of pavement on the highway, it turns into like, like almost like serrated concrete.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's
1: divots, but it also could create create like a high-pitched hum because if – especially if the divots are shallow. So it turns into like just being smooth to being like like type of thing, and I used to think that was the sound of bombs dropping. Oh, interesting! Oh man, I that's was out a, of my uplifting. mind. I was out of my mind with that.
0: Did you? I don't know that I really understood the nature of nuclear war until I was a teenager. Did you? When did you really understand what it what like what that was like? What
1: it's a great, great like question. radiation
0: poisoning and. Really what we question. did to Japan and all that kind of stuff. When did you really understand that? Like the bombs were never used again because of how horrific they probably were, going on like nine or 10 years old when you realized
1: all that stuff, not only from the movies, but also that there was a there was also a really horrifying. I think you and I have discussed it before, Kyle. There was a really horrifying miniseries that was on TV in the 80s called The Day After. Right. And that, that was another one. And that was another one that really made, raised my eyebrows because mom and dad, it was one of those things that mom and dad were like, you were forbidden to watch this thing. So that just raised my interest. Because they
0: knew all. you well, your psychosis well so enough. Well,
1: like you can't watch, you especially can't watch this. Meanwhile, yet.
0: they would have been like, you can definitely watch this, but just don't try to will it into existence. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. <laughs> and you know, movies like Grave of the Fireflies eventually came along, which were- animated films but you know dealt v- with the very serious ramifications of nuclear war and what happened in world war ii with the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki and yeah dude that, I, that was a big one for me i don't even know exactly when when i broke myself of that fear or when i stopped when i got over it i was i was definitely a teenager though you know maybe 14 15 i started to relax a little bit about it but the, you know and then of course the Gucci fireworks thing didn't help
0: yeah which we told that story
1: uh. What did we tell that story on the 4th of July episode? No, we told that one. Yeah. What episode was that? It wasn't 4th of July.
0: It wasn't. Well, I don't know. It's in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah, childhood stories, whatever. It's in the uh, PlayStation 2 episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, Dave, because, yeah, nuclear war never scared me because once I understood really understood it. And you understood mad, mutually assured destruction and all those kinds of things. You realize that it was never going to happen. The the only it literally never is going to happen if it didn't happen in 1962 and 1963 with the Bay of Pigs oh, and, yeah, and the Cuban Missile Crisis, if sure. it didn't happen ever with, you know, during the Korean or Vietnam, Vietnamese or the Vietnam War, Nixon famously said that he would have dropped bombs on Cambodia and Laos and Vietnam if he didn't if he thought he can get away with it, basically. We just live in a situation where mutually assured destruction ensures that it either you're going to have a preemptive strike that does so much damage that they can't hit you back or you just don't risk it at all. Yeah. And we have a no first strike policy. So it would only be defensive on our part to use the bomb. So I knew right. no one was going to. I just kind of realized at an early age, no one's going to do it to us and no one because we will obliterate them. The the second we found out that there were missiles in the air before, long before the inter- the ICBMs got here. Everything out of Omaha and all the stuff in the middle of the country would have been launched. And there, if there's one thing I can tell you about America, especially for people that don't live here, or have never been here, don't really understand us as well as we understand ourselves. We are not going down without bringing anyone else, everyone else with us. I guarantee you that. I, I'm not even being facetious. We wouldn't be like, ah, fuck it. We would probably launch every missile we had. And, and then be like, we all, all to think about. We're all going to die.
1: It's yes. crazy. You
0: know, what the only thing is, but I totally hear you. And I think that's
1: the only thing that pacified me, Kyle, about that it was like, you know, just being rational enough to think like nobody wants to destroy the planet, you know, but now you think about terrorism. That's the scary. Yeah. Thing dirty bombs are the
0: thing because there's a lot of unaccounted for uranium and plutonium from the Soviet satellites that probably made their way to terror cells beginning in the late 80s, early 90s and even stuff from Libya and other countries that in South Africa that gave up their bombs voluntarily in you know those are the only two countries in the in world history that gave up their bombs yeah so there's a lot of fissile material out there that i think is unaccounted for and all it takes is a little bit crudely made into some sort of dirty bomb set off in times square and you are in big trouble oh, man. God be- forbid. because it wouldn't be an explosion it would just be it would just kill you with radiation It'd be really bad news so I agree with you that that's scary, but that's not a nuclear bomb. That's that's something else. That's like a, that's almost more sinister in a way. Yeah. In some way, but scary. it's all sinister. That's why I'm so I become so passive as I've gotten older. I used to be really neoconservative when I was younger, especially in my teens and early 20s in college. I was all about the Iraq War and all that kind of stuff as I was very open about. It and I, I, it was a huge mistake. I've just become so passive peace and prosperity, commerce with all alliance with none. <laughs> As George Washington would say, I know
1: one of your great fears, but I'm going to give you a chance to bring it up. If you don't bring it up, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to bring it up later. But we won't talk about that yet.
0: Uh, is it the tickly monster?
1: Oh, I wasn't even thinking about the tickly monster. I mean, we'll get there as well because that's oh, in you my have notebook. To talk about that.
0: I thought that was going to be it because you're so you're such a you're like the progenitor of that. In a lot I of totally ways. forgot about that. Well, I didn't? <laughs> Josh Korea wrote in and said, hello, Colin and Dagan. First off, this podcast is without a doubt my favorite podcast. So keep up the amazing oh, work. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Josh. It is pretty good, isn't it? So my childhood fear is dolls. Yes, dolls. This fear began when I went to Mexico with my family. There was this approximately three foot Chucky doll in the closet downstairs. And my cousin said that sometimes it would randomly walk and laugh. Oh, no. That pretty much sealed my fear My fear of That's dolls. That's not
1: fair, fair, because Chucky is, a, is playing on the fear of dolls anyway. Are you afraid of dolls? Nope. You know, aren't afraid of, like, something springing to life? If Chucky came after me, I would punt Chucky. So you know how far I would kick Chucky if he came after yeah, me? Yeah,
0: what is it about him that makes him so un- insurmountable? I don't
1: know. Voiced by Mark Hamill in the latest Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, in the latest movie. And Orby Plaza's in that, too. Not bad. She's, pretty, she's, she's cute. She's definitely she's cute. She's adorable. I like how you
0: use the word cute for hot. You use the word cute for I'm hot. Trying to keep it, I'm trying to keep it PG-13. I don't think it's Is it not PG to say a girl eh. is hot? A woman and, is hot? No, a man I don't is think, hot? No, I mean you know me. I, I do know you. You know me. I'm a classy guy. You are a little You're a lot classier than I am. She's hot. I'm thank you very much. <laughs> I never really feared this stuff. Now I will say this. Okay. And I was bringing this up. This is I guess tangentially related. Our neighbor across the street who I will not name when we were living in Marie Court, okay? She she's come up before. Perfectly fine yeah. woman. She had a at some point. Do you remember her having a Virgin Mary statue in her in her house? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was I thought she was Jewish. No, her husband was Jewish.
1: Oh, OK. okay. She was
0: she was a holy rolling Catholic. I and, didn't know that. Yeah. And she had this weird Mary statue. So for people that aren't familiar with Catholicism, we basically worship Mary as if it's a polytheistic religion where. It's like Jesus. Well, the Trinity. And then Mary's like up there. Yeah. Right. She's yeah. up there. If, yes. if she's not a God, she's like a demigod. And I've always been fascinated by that. I always think Christianity is inherently polytheistic anyway, because the Trinity makes no sense. But when you bring in like Mary as a total different entity, we really respect Mary in the Catholic culture. And yes. she had a statue that I thought was incredibly creepy. I find this. I find Jesus on the cross in a church. Very creepy. I find Mary statues very creepy. All that kind of like religious iconography. Okay. The, the stations of the cross. Very creepy. Okay. That's right. the kind of stuff that creeps me out. You're right about Chucky. There must have been something about him, though, that made him insurmountable in those movies. But I don't I don't quite recall.
1: Yeah, there must have been. He must. He was a formidable opponent in, in some fashion, I guess, or he wouldn't. He was like, was I guess. What is he like a Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy type?
0: I guess. Yeah, he's like the least interesting of those guys. But I, agree. I don't even know what the story is of those movies anywhere. I haven't the seen the child's itself. play movies. Child's play. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Colin Sparling wrote in, said, have you guys ever suffered the loss of a okay. fear of the open sea to think our world has a seemingly bottomless abyss terrifies me to no end. Keep kicking ass Moriarty boys. Are you, you afraid of the open ocean? It's scary.
1: I think that is a scary idea. Now, it's funny because that's really pretty much the opposite of claustrophobia, which I have pretty bad, actually. I'm really pretty claustrophobic, dude. But yeah, the ocean, because you can't – and again, it's almost like you said. It's like a fear of the dark thing. You can't see what's under there. You don't know how deep it is. And you know what's interesting about the ocean even beyond like a fear thing? We really have – we are just scraping the iceberg as far as understanding what's under there because there is a lot of, i believe there's a lot of shit under the ocean
0: that we haven't discovered yet like animals as far as sea life yeah you don't you're not saying that there's like atlantis or something
1: like that no i don't know if i believe in that i believe the i believe like ancient cultures like the mayans and stuff had some pretty crazy shit and there's a lot of cool stuff on rogan actually about all the stuff about the rainforest, how, like, we're just, scra- we're just scraping the tip of the iceberg.
0: Yeah, there. because it was it's so overgrown that they're still discovering all oh, these amazing. these complexes and it's whatnot. Amazing. It's amazing. Awesome. But no,
1: just as far as creatures, you know, other things bigger than whales under there, you know, what's what's going on under there? How can we possibly explore it to the degree we want to explore to get the answers we want? It's,
0: you know? it's true because the argument against space travel often is like, well, we have so much to discover under the ocean. And I'm like... Yeah, that, I find oceanography and, and that, you know, that kind of discovery under the ocean very worthwhile and very interesting, but I think we can do both. And it's a little boring for me. Like when really? you get, when you get, when you get really down there, Yeah, it's some pretty, it's interesting what, what can survive under that immense amount of pressure. Without I mean, you're talking light. about, you're talking about multiple atmospheres of pressure when you get down there it, it would crush a fucking submarine, nonetheless, an animal. So it's very interesting that some things can survive down there because no one ever really thinks about that. You're you're literally it's like why you have to come up slowly when you're scuba diving because you're under all this incredible. I think it's barometric pressure. Yeah, that can destroy you. You're just not made for it. So it's interesting that there are species and and how evolution, and natural selection works in such a way down there. Right. I've always been really fascinated by Marianas Trench and all of the really deep parts of the Pacific. That's where the deepest parts of the ocean are, okay. where it goes like 12, 13. 14 miles down that's insane and there's definitely nothing living down there i I think that that would be impossible maybe maybe near volcanic volcanic vents or something like that but they don't send stuff down
1: you can't send equipment down there no they
0: do i think like they have some of these really sophisticated submarines that can withstand the pressure but there's no light it's really fascinating there's no light so like you shine these things and that could be the first light that these animals have ever seen a lot of these animals have no eyes right because they don't need them they don't need vision so It is fascinating from that perspective, but I've never been quite scared of it. It is a little scary how big the ocean is. And I'm not talking about how deep, but just how big it is. It's 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 very easy to get lost in the ocean. I can imagine how much courage it must have taken in the age of exploration, for instance, to just not have any clue where you're going. Imagine like Magellan circumnavigating the globe in what the 15th century and or the 16th century. And they had no fucking idea where they were going. Right. They were gone for years Magellan didn't even survive it.
1: That's amazing.
0: Magellan himself died on that journey. So it's so amazing. If you look at the maps of like where they went and stuff like that, it's like they were just going. They had no idea where they were going. And it's just super cool. Like that the, is crazy. Down Sierra del Fuego and down the Cape of Good Hope and into the, you know, just going, just going, looking. Right. Discovering very interesting stuff. You
1: know what's interesting, Carl? Have you had I don't think I've ever had the experience of being out on an open body of water, be it the ocean or a great lake or anything like that and not being able to see at least one shore. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I've never had that experience. I think that would actually terrify me. Now, if I was on a cruise ship and stuff like that, there's certain things that probably pacify me a little bit because there's so many distractions. You know, you got those cruise ships that have water par- they have literal water parks and go-kart tracks. These things are massive. But just looking around in each direction, like having a a complete 360, 360 degree panoramic view of everything and not being able to see land, I think that would scare me.
0: That is pretty scary. Cruise ships, by the way. No, I'm not doing a cruise. No, me neither. No, It's it's too much. Those ships are too big. They're too weird. There's too many people packed together and that, that kind of stuff. It's these things go down. I don't even care if it went down. It's just like I, don't, I think you would be able to probably survive that because, you know, every, it's that modern, you know, modern. You can put out your SOS and get ships and rescue and all that. Kind right, of stuff. right, right. It's just too weird. I don't know. It's like this city, this floating city going from it's pretty port much to port. what it is. You're right. I don't know. I don't like it. Going port to port. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Middling wrote in to us and said, hey, guys, when I was three years old, I was in a horrible car accident. And even though I wasn't physically injured, the loud crashing sounds caused me to be deathly afraid of toilets. Oh. I was terrified of toilets until I was at least 12. I'd always cover my ears sprinting out of the room as if I could outrun the horrific sounds of the toilet water crashing in on itself. And don't even get me started on ice dispensers, which I still cover my ears on occasion. I am 20. Wow. You.
1: Well, I'm sorry to hear about the car. Yeah, that's, that's that's
0: horrifying. Toilets, though. Yeah, that's a, that's funny a how connection. that played out. Can't say I'm afraid of toilets. What if the
1: accident was near water or something? Yeah. yeah. I would be
0: Yeah. Especially because you were so young. It's, it's some sort of primitive memory for you, probably. Mm. Toilets. No, I, I love toilets. Actually, I, <laughs> I enjoy them. What's better than a good poop? You know, what's better than that? I understand what you're saying. When you just feel so relieved and you just you just let it all go. It's great. Caleb Hager wrote into us and said, "My greatest Big childhood kid. fear and current fear will always be bees, wasps, and hornets, uh. or any flying or stinging insect. As a young child, I was stung by an entire hive and had to go to the ER. Oh I've God. had a great phobia ever since and can't stand them. Any creatures that scared the ever-loving shit out of you, guys, as kids. I wonder what he got stung by. He
1: yeah, didn't I don't know. Say
0: which one. Yeah, it, hopefully bees. I feel like wasps or hornets would have probably killed you.
1: I feel like bees wouldn't do that." I don't know. Okay, Unless you who, disturbed them. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I stuck a couple of years ago. I stuck my hand. I, I think I told you this guy inadvertently stuck my finger in a wasp nest that was in between. I have we have like rocks, you know, stacked like field stone around some of our planters on our, you know, in our yard, and I was like weeding, and I stuck my hand in between two layers of rocks, and I got one sting on like the tip of my finger, just above my fingernail, and you know what? When I moved the rock, there was like eighty wasps in there. And they could have done a lot more damage to me. And they didn't. They just they just did enough to, tell, to say, get the hell out of here. Right. Of and that hurt. Have you ever been stung by a wasp? Oh, yeah, dude. It was like I was a landscaper pain. For, that's right. For like 20 minutes. It was I've like been stung so many times. Pain. Oof! It, I always heard how bad it was, but it's pretty bad. It's it pretty hurt. bad. Yeah, It hurts.
0: The last time I was stung, I was in college. It, so it's it's been a while, but I ran over what must have been a hornet or wasp nest with a ride on a lawnmower and got oh, stung a bunch no. of times. Yeah, it's painful. Oof. It's incredibly painful. You got get multiple stung. bites. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Especially because hornets and, and yellow jackets and all of those can sting many more times. Bees have a they pre- don't die. Yeah. Bees have a preser- like some sort of preservation where they don't want to sting unless it's completely necessary to protect them. But I think hornets, wasps, the yellow jackets are a little more aware. Have you ever looked at the hornets, the wasps and the yellow jackets in Asia? You oh, be, you God, wanna, there's all different types. You want to be horrified? They're horrified. They're fucking huge. They're the size of like birds. Oh, so bad. That's all. It's like
1: unholy. I have seen those things.
0: Com- completely unholy. They kill
1: huge spiders and right. they fight tarantulas and stuff like that. Yeah, it's so it's, it's nasty.
0: They're really interesting creatures. And I actually like reading about them. I find them really interesting. I like hive minds a lot. They I, I don't I don't know that anyone really understands quite how they work because it's like a super intelligence basically in which it's like all these different component parts. And it's cool that they just like that thing just stung you without even thinking about it, probably because that was just its, that its, was go, his, its role. Yeah, you know? that was its job. And then somehow signal to everyone else that it was probably fine. Right, right, right. It's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. They are pretty scary. And I get hard. I actually remember you spraying wasps outside of our house with Windex. You remember doing that? Because they would you could you could we so we had these shutters outside of our house on Long Island, these black shutters that always used to get wasp nests in them always. And so. We would like wait until dusk and I guess dad would do whatever he was going to do with them. But you could spray them these particular I think they were paper wasps or whatever. you could spray them with Windex or something and they would fall to the ground because they, it would fuck their wings up like they couldn't fly. Right, right, right. It would, like lubricate their wings. Right. And then you could kind of like swa- squash them or do whatever you needed oh, to do. Oh, man. I remember doing that with you. I,
1: I, I don't remember, but I've done it. I've done it more recently. You know, like in my old house, we had really bad wasp nests. They, they were just all over the place in the shutters and the shed. Not so bad here, actually. But the, you know what they say about wasps? That's funny. They say that they don't really serve any function. Like, they're completely useless to, like, nature. They're completely To the useless. chain. But I then then I heard recently that they eat bad flies. And I know that they don't get along with spiders, but spiders are beneficial. So.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
1: They're very, they are fascinating.
0: I've always been fascinated by spiders and all these bugs that just look so menacing.
1: Yeah. Spiders look creepy.
0: I wonder... Because they're not necessarily going after sophisticated creatures. So I wonder, is like that fear, is that, is that like look relevant to their prey? You know what I mean? Where it's like, wow, those guys are scary looking.
1: Yeah, I think I would think so.
0: Yeah, nature is really clever with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I say so. You know, Brandon Hardman wrote in, said, as a kid, I was walking. I was a walking mass of phobias. Thunderstorms, wasps and witches were the three that I think (laughs) topped the list. Today, thunderstorms don't bother me, and neither does the idea of witches, but a wasp buzzing my ear still makes me jump. Have you ever been scared of thunderstorms or witches, Dagan? Never been scared of witches? thunderstorms. I, I actually thunderstorms. really enjoyed thunderstorms. Me too. You
1: know my car got hit by a bolt of th- uh, bolt of lightning.
0: That was when you were on the island, right? No, I was out here.
1: I was oh, on okay. my way to the island. Oh, I that see. It happened in Jersey. Now, I don't know if, I, if, if a, car, a bolt of lightning hit my car or if my car hit a live wire that was hanging on the side of the road. One of the two things happened. And it, it was so funny how, you know, everything you hear about being in a car during a lightning storm, it, like you, I felt the car absorb the lightning because you have the, it's insulated for the rubber tires. But something weird happened with my radio. And that's why they say don't have your radio on. Now, I don't know if that applies to satellite radio, like XM and Sirius and all that kind of stuff, but traditional radio. They say they don't have it on during a lightning storm because that actually can conduct through and fry your the electronics on your car, whether it's the electronics or the computer or whatever. But I've never been afraid of it. I've never been afraid of. It. I mean, I'd rather not be outside in a lightning storm. It's so funny how cavalier I was as a kid in thunder and lightning, which I guess a lot of us are. Like I, I, I would go swimming if oh, my yeah. dad
0: didn't tell me to stop.
1: Oh, definitely. Oh, I'd be all over the
0: pool. This was another situation where I. It was very. That was another thing where I identified early that that's bullshit. That oh, a, a bolt of lightning is not going to go into this pool, right? Like that's really has that ever happened? I'm sure it has. I'm sure it can, right? But it's an it's it's just what like is odds? that really going to happen to me? <laughs> like there's a thunderstorm <gasps> covering all of Long Island in the tri-state area, and there's going to be a bolt of lightning that hits this pool. Really? Why? Yeah, that's a little it doesn't make any sense. That's the kind of stuff I I was I I'm proud that I was savvy enough as a kid to be able to f- identify some of this bullshit. To be that was pretty honest. good,
1: Carl. Now, witches, I always thought, you know, I always construed them as very cartoony, Halloween, the Halloween decorations and everything. Then the 2016 movie, The Witch, came out. I never saw that. That's a scary movie. That's a very good movie. You would love that movie because it's a period piece as, as well. About the Salem witch? Trials? It takes place in those times, but I don't believe it's in Salem. It's about a family, a family of, I guess, they're Quakers, very, very religious, that they basically are either banished from their town... Or they construe everything as not religious enough, and they basically they move out to they move out to be on their own, like in the wilderness, and their encounter the family's encounter with a, with a witch. I don't think it's a covenant of witches. I think it's a single witch. Dude, that movie is creepy. It's very, very well done. It's beautifully done. And the Blair Witch Project, I have to say, scared the shit out of me as well.
0: I did. It did. I'm glad you brought that up because there's a Blair Witch game coming out actually soon, which is interesting. It's, oh, that's it's, interesting it's coming only. To, I think it's only coming to Xbox and PC. But okay. they announced it at E3. But that movie also scared the living shit out of me. Oh, I scary. was going into 10th grade that summer. And what I always tell Dagan and you you tell people, Dagan, you'll know this, you'll remember this, is that the Internet was primitive enough at this time mm. where there was this kind of undercurrent that this was real, that this was like this really happened and that this was because it's it's a faux documentary. Right. And it really felt like a phenomenon that you could have only really understood if you were there at the time that for. A little while, everyone's like, did this really happen? Is this real or what? And I remember seeing it with Dana when I went and saw her in North Carolina one summer. I was staying with her for a couple of weeks and it was a pretty terrifying thing. And this, specifically that Blair Witch symbol that they would hang up and you would find like these yes. little things. Yeah. I used to like have nightmares that I would see that. You did? Yeah. And like how horrifying that is. Because you were is. young. Yeah. That was a, that's an authentically scary movie for I a lot agree. of different reasons. I agree. I actually really like that movie a lot.
1: I wonder if it holds up. We have to watch that sometime. Yeah. We
0: should do an episode on it. That's actually a great idea. Yeah, Alex Ball wrote in and said, I had two big fears as a child. One was semi-rational and the other was ludicrous. The semi-rational one was storms. So we talked about that. I watched Twister way too young and was uh, always afraid to die in a tornado. So even when it was just a thunderstorm, I would get scared. Were you ever afraid of, t- of tornadoes? I saw a couple pretty close funnel clouds on Long Island when I was playing Little League when I was a kid Really? that were at Vern Critz, the elementary school where all the baseball fields were, where like it was it. I don't know that it would have even touched down and did much, but that where it was making its way. Yeah, I remember that very
1: well. Wow, that's unbelievable. You know, we get a lot of tornado warnings here now, but this is a new phenomenon for this area, I would say, within the last three years. I guess because of the high pressure system and the heat and the humidity happens a lot. But no, I've never been preoccupied with tornadoes, but I will say one of the most awesome things in nature well, definitely one of the most awesome phenomenon in nature as far as a, from a visual standpoint and from a destructive standpoint. And you know what, Kyle? About a year ago, did you see the footage? Richmond, Virginia, where our family lives, had a twister that touched down. Yeah. I, and
0: somebody had it on YouTube. I believe, yeah. I think Uncle Mike or someone was telling and me about that. And it was
1: that. swallowing up some buildings. I mean, it was a proper twister. It wasn't like you see down in the Midwest, but it was pretty It was pretty. Bad. I mean, it was ripping through buildings. It was going along and like destroying buildings. It was pretty it was pretty awesome because, again, that's not really common on the East Coast of the United States. And that's starting to happen. So,
0: you Global know, again, warming.
1: again, yeah, the shift in weather.
0: Well, because tornadoes, I think, are are constructed pretty much of the confluence of cold and or of cold and warm air and, right. and the fronts that they cause. What's interesting about tornadoes, which I didn't know, I just looked it up when you were talking just to be sure that I was remembering this correctly, is that Tornadoes are not possible almost anywhere in the in the world except for the United States because of the specific topography that we have here and That's the way the way it rests. So I was reading it's like Australia, South Africa and the United States are pretty much the only places where tornadoes That's happen.
1: That's so interesting
0: because of just the specific, I guess, nature of the jet streams and the way the storms come in and the topography we have because we have what's called Tornado Alley in the United States, which is the great plains and that's perfect it perfect. needs flat land yeah it needs right? flat land and it, and the i mean the storms in the middle of the united states for those that don't know are gnarly i mean they are gnarly in the panhandle of texas and oklahoma and nebraska some pretty badass shit going on those there those
1: storm chasers are unbelievable man i you know yeah, i, I have to say though and i don't mean to, to this to stuff. sound morbid if i could see one without it like somewhere in the wilderness or somewhere where it's not going to destroy people's property or kill anybody that's something i would like to see with my own eyes even if it was at a distance i think you can hire people to bring you on storm Because it's pretty cool man i mean that's that's a it's i mean it's it's really horrifying but it's also beautiful you know it's one of those things it's like there's nothing else like that
0: yeah they're destructive i mean they are Oof. a unique destructive force and uh, i've always been pretty fascinated by them as well and especially the way that airman and Mega Man 2 was able to conjure oh, up so many tornadoes pull.
1: very good interesting
0: pull. Very complicated technologies.
1: That was very important to pull out Airman and not the Wizard of Oz there. Yeah.
0: And I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I don't want to talk about the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) We'll do one on that, too. Joseph Addy wrote in and said, my greatest childhood fear were aliens by far. Oh, here we go. I remember having dreams at night that aliens were at the foot of my bed and that I was paralyzed and could not move. Because your imagination is uncontainable as a child, fear seems to have the greatest effect on us. I remember later reading about other people having dreams about little aliens, paralyzing them at the foot of their bed. Only mine were regular size. I am pretty sure it was all inspired by E.T., Mac and me and the alien centric 80s media I consumed. I still haven't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind and never will. Definitely don't watch that if you don't afraid watch of aliens. that if you're scared. Were either or either of you scared of aliens? Yeah. Dagan was the one responsible for scaring the shit no. out of me about aliens. I'm not even talking about Fire in the Sky. Oh,
1: because that's one of the scariest films about aliens ever made,
0: which we talk about in our scariest movies episode that's early on in the knockback run. So you guys can go listen to that. That is a horrifying movie that we shared that Dagan took me to when I was in third grade. So thanks for that.
1: Absolutely frightening
0: movie. Aliens. Generally, I, rem- I think I've told this story, but I remember going to our Aunt Christine. She lived in Port Jeff on the north end of Long Island. And I remember, I remember driving there with you and dad and Allie. I don't know. For some reason, I don't know what it was. It was in the 90s. And we were talking about Ray Bradbury and and kind of the the stuff we liked with the novels and all you know the short stories and you were just scaring the shit out of me with some of these stories and specifically this I don't remember what the Ray Bradbury story is it's a great one about the aliens that go that basically ha, only the children can see the aliens yes and they basically and their and they basically start stealing stuff from their parents and their parents just think they're playing and stuff like that but they're basically planning on killing the adults I guess that yeah, kind it's a of conspiracy stuff. between the aliens and the kids right exactly yeah. It's uh, always been a little scary and a little unsettling. I think what's unsettling about aliens generally is that for us to encounter an extraterrestrial being means that they are just so far advanced that there's really nothing we can do about it. That's what's always been pretty scary about it.
1: That's very scary.
0: And just not knowing,
1: yeah, what what they would be, are they going to be peaceful? Are they going to be warlike? Are they going to be, you know, are we going to be like a, a molecule sand compared to what they're capable of? Whatever it is. Now, I never told anybody this, Kyle, except for maybe one Well, definitely one person, Helene, knows about this. But I've had two experiences with, two unexplained experiences with aliens. Phenomena. Phenomena. Probably 20 years apart, and the exact same thing happened. And the exact same thing was like, it's completely unexplainable. So when I was living, I don't think I ever told you this. When I was living in Brookhaven, it was before mom and dad got separated. So it was probably the late 80s. It could have been 88, could have been 89. We weren't in the house that long. We were only in the house for a couple of years at that point. My bedroom was in the front corner of the house. So my window faced the front of the cul-de-sac and the side, the street that our house was bordering, which was Old stump old Stump Road. So one night unexplained no noise there was no noise there was no nothing it was just a blue light an intense blue light shining in my window from above i think you did tell me this a long time ago yeah very creepy there was no way it could have been a car headlight there was just no way because of the angles of everything the angle of the road the angle of the cul-de-sac and the angle that the light was coming in that it had to be from above there was no noise associated with it it was a blue light it probably lasted for like 10 seconds and it was gone and uh, it always like scared the hell out of me. It always freaked me out. Then when Helene and I were in our first house, this was probably, we bought that house in 2004 and we sold it in 2009. So it could have been any time in there. Or I say, it was and it, I think it was before we had our first kid. So it was probably, which was 2007. So it was probably in 2005 or 2006. Helene and I fell asleep on the couch. It was super late at night uh, watching a movie and it was really late. It was like two or three in the morning. And the couch was along like the front bay window. Like, it was a smaller house. It had like a front bay window. And that was sort of like took up the sort of like our, our couches now. We have a bay window behind the couch. And it was sort of like the, almost the entire length of the couch. But the curtains were drawn. And a really intense blue light. I woke up because there was a really intense blue light coming in the window. Now, this light couldn't have been coming from anywhere because there were no roads. You know what I mean? There was just a road that was in front of our house. And a car would actually have to be sideways facing my house. And I looked out, and there was no cars. It was just quiet. Everybody was asleep. There was no lights on outside. I don't remember if our street even had a street light. It was a very dark neighborhood. And again, the trajectory of the light was coming from above. But it was the exact same light and for the exact same time as the first time it happened. And nothing happened in between those two times. It was a weird, it's the weirdest thing. Do you think it's – is it possible – that you were dreaming? that I, Yeah, you know what? No, because Helene saw it the second time. Okay, that's right. Okay. She witnessed it the second time. Now, that was always my big thing in the back of my head. Like, was that a dream? Was that just, I just thought I was seeing something? I was hallucinating, a hallucination of some kind. But yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? It's the weirdest thing. And usually I'm really good at being able to be logical and just explain things away, but there's really no explanation for those two things. You just have to accept it as one of those weird things that you can't explain. So- Yeah, the the alien thing really intrigues me. You know, we were talking about that the other day. Like, it's pretty preposterous to think sometimes, I think, that, you know, there's no other life out there. I think that's really hard to wrap your head around. I think there's got to be something. And I'm not saying I experienced something. I don't know what that was, but
0: pretty food for thought anyway. Yeah, I would say so. I, I, It's like the old saying goes, I really do want to believe. And I do believe. Like we were talking the other night when we were at the diner, we were at the diner at like three in the morning and we were talking about Bob Lazar, who, again, is a really interesting dude. You guys can go look up. He was recently on Rogan. Yeah. Talking about his experiences at Air, or his purported experiences at Area S4, where he was working on alien craft for the American government. And he talks, uh, you know, interestingly about what what his experiences were. But I think that there's a weird commonality between people in the U.S., specifically in Canada, I think as well, where. People just see a lot of shit here, and it kind of all ties in. I'm not saying you don't see things in Western Europe or anywhere else, but there's just a lot of it here. Now, America is a quirky place, and that we, is kind strange. Of, we kind of facilitate that kind of culture by being very laissez-faire. So that's not even the, remotely the weirdest thing that goes on in the American culture is our like acceptance of UFOs and ufology and all that kind of stuff, generally speaking. But it could all tie into the Bob Lazar thing about how they found those ships in Nevada and... They're testing them here. They're doing this, that or the other thing, or they're kind of active here, not because we're the U.S., but because they're just they just happen to be active around this area. But you would imagine if they had this technology to get here and to communicate with us and stuff like that, that they could do whatever they wanted. And I guess the only skeptical thing about these stories would be like, why would it be you? Why would it be me? You know, why would it be this person? Why would they care?
1: Right. Why right. would they it's so you? strange? It's so
0: random. It's not a space issue. Like I said the other night, it's a time issue. That's the thing that stops us from seeing aliens. It's time. It's not space. Space is vast, but it's the time and the age of the universe combined with the space that makes it so improbable. When you think about the fact that like, if anyone was just listening for us with radio waves and stuff, they would only know for about 80 years that we were even here. So if they were further than 80 light years away, they still don't know. And that's almost everything. That's unbelievable. That's that's I think there are only probably like a dozen stars within 80 light years of us. Wow. So that's unbelievable. It's very interesting to think about it from that perspective. Where it's just a time issue. Right. That's what's so compelling about Bob, Bob our story to me.
1: He's an interesting dude. I think the whole thing might be punishment for taking you to go
0: see fire in the sky too young. Possibly so. I think I'm being punished for that. Ain't nothing scarier than that. I'll take it. Ain't nothing scarier than that. <laughs> Tiernan <laughs> McDonald has a quick one. He says, I was afraid of being beat to death. I still am. Oh, my God. Okay, goodbye. That's all he had to say. Getting beat to death. Are you an egg? <laughs> be. James Kinzel, the third wrote in and said, I discovered porn at a young age. I was about 12 or 13 when I found a nude picture of Angelina Jolie. And shortly after that, I discovered Internet porn. My biggest fear was getting <laughs> caught while watching porn. And while I never actually got caught watching it, it wasn't until much later that I discovered that deleting the history was a thing. My mom discovered porn on her computer once in that and was livid. I also once bought P- pay-per-view porn. And again, my mom was livid. My dad, though, his only question was, why didn't you DVR it?
1: <laughs> that was sad. That's fantastic. That's an interesting fear. Oh, that's funny. Well, you know what? I think everybody probably went through that at one time or another, right? Sure. In In their youth. In the youth?
0: Well, you just would go in the woods and look at magazines.
1: That's true. We were old school.
0: David Graham wrote in and said As a small child, I distinctly recall having a long bout of nightmares relating to Darth Vader with this helmet off at the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh. I would describe said dreams to my mother as being attacked by the white man. So my question is, did you ever have lasting effects from a piece of media like this, even ones that weren't meant to frighten? Humpty Dumpty Vader, as I like to call him. That's
1: ironic that you were afraid of good Darth Vader, the only good Vader I know. we ever got. That's, That's true. That's a good point. Very interesting. That's a good point.
0: Did any media really stick with you for a long period of time? Oh, God, yeah. I mean,
1: I talk about it a lot. Watership Down. You know, again, watching those things too early. Poltergeist scared the shit out of me. Somebody wrote an essay about Poltergeist and watching it too young and how it scared the hell out of them and how it scarred them. And I want to read that. I don't know if it's comedic or what, but it's very similar. Poltergeist, I was obsessed with. The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, that's such
0: a good movie. Love it.
1: Awesome. It It terrified the hell out of me, but I had to watch it every time it was on. You know, those type of things. Those were scarring. Aliens, to a certain degree, had that effect on Definitely. me. Aliens had that effect. De- that movie's uh, horrifying. You know what What scene really scares me in that film? Newt's brother. Mm. When he's saying the whole kill me thing. Right. That was like really heavy for me. Like that that scene stuck with me for a long time. That scene was pretty emotionally scarring, I think, for me, actually.
0: And then, of course, uh, Johnny, got, for that. Johnny got his gun.
1: Oh, my God. Of Johnny course. got his gun was just... Yeah, thank Metallica for that, because I probably would have never known about it had it not been for The Metallica, one music video? The one video. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one for me. The Johnny Got His Gun thing was the most disturbing. That was the most disturbing for me, thinking that, you know, again, uh, what, that's a Dalton Trumbull story, right? But I think it's based on a true story, and that's what was so horrifying about it for me. You know, that again, it plays into the whole war thing, and we'll get into that too. But yeah, th- those are just the tips of the iceberg. I mean, a lot of things. I think I was so sensitive as a kid. A lot of things scared me. What about you, Kyle? What, what things uh, stuck with you?
0: Nosferatu, the 20s or 30s movie, scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, and I used to rent it from the library and then like never be able to really watch it because it was so horrifying. You the know? original. Yeah. Do you oh, know what I'm i I know very well. It's it's yeah, I've seen It's probably it. some of the scariest shit I've ever seen it's in my life. It's beautiful cinematography. Yeah. Really but horrifying It creature. is scary.
1: It holds up they uh, cinemassacre did a piece on that you know james roth being a huge horror buff of the influence of that movie and how it holds up so well you know what the single i'll I'll talk to you guys about my single my earliest fear the earliest fear i could remember as a kid and i was terrified of this and it's ironic especially where i work now there was a thing on sesame street i was really young so we're talking about 1974 i was born very late in 73 so this is probably from 74 i was a baby and one of my very first memories, let alone one of my very first fears, you guys have got to go. It's on YouTube. I checked today. Go watch it. It's a little segment, a little two-minute segment called Sammy the Snake. And Sammy the Snake was this puppet, and he was he was on a pitch-black background. And they must have just laid him down because he's S-shaped, and he sings about the letter Sammy the Snake, and he sings a song about the letter S. And he must be controlled by sticks. Maybe a couple of different people are controlling him. And he was the scariest thing I had ever seen. Like he terrified me as a kid. He haunted my dreams and nightmares for years. And when you look at it, you realize, yeah, this is kind of creepy. It's actually right now. If you look at now, it's kind of charming. He's singing the song about the letter S and he's acting like kind of like beat Nicky. He's like, yeah, far out, you know, blah, (laughs) blah. But he just looks scary. And you could see it. He's got like these dead eyes. He's got like these half lids, and dude, he terrified me. And he was one of the when the you know the, we had the advent of the internet and being able to find anything online, even pre YouTube. He was one of the first things I searched out because I wanted to see what it looked like again. It's friggin' terrifying. Go watch Sammy the Snake. The song is actually quite catchy. Oh, well, but he scared the living shit out of me as a kid. Well, that's a positive aspect of it anyway. And it comes full circle because now I work at Sesame Workshop we're celebrating our 50th anniversary now. you going to bring and, it back? Well, everybody had to be on video. Well, then you had to volunteer. You could tell a story about what Sesame means to you. And I told the story about how Sammy the Snake terrified me as a kid. So I don't think I'll be making the real. But that was my, I was like, <laughs> that's <laughs> my, that's my earliest memory. It's like Sammy the Snake was terrifying. Like that's, that's what I remember about Sesame Street. That was my very earliest memory about Sesame Street. That's funny, man.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like other other media. I mean, there was things that scared me, but Large Marge obviously was, oh, was, was a from uh, Pee Wee. You were little, yeah. That used to really frighten me. That scene a lot as a kid. That was like pretty horrifying stuff to me. But generally speaking, I think I just kind of got over. I was more in my head with things that like hypothetical things as opposed to to the actual palpable fear of a, a visual of media with with a few rare exceptions. All right, next up, please. Straw Ninja wrote in and said, I was a pretty wimpy kid growing up, but when I was little, I was terrified of going to the doctor because I didn't want to get a shot. Did you guys fear the doctor's office as youngsters?
1: Never. We no. had the
0: coolest pediatrician on planet Earth. Doctor, the doctor never scared me. No. Now, I will say that I had some scary things happen to me at the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> because of my, sto- my stomach issues and oh, all that kind of I stuff. Have... I've had many a finger in my ass, but not okay. for sexual pleasure. Okay. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. And... <laughs> Also, I got like an STD test in college and they shoved like a Q-tip like thing in my pee hole.
1: Oh, dude, what? Mm -hmm. That was necessary to do that?
0: Apparently horrible. Some of the most horrible pain I ever felt in my life.
1: That's fucking horrifying. Oh, that's not. Yeah, that's not sitting well with me right now. It's across but, my legs.
0: But shots and blood and all that don't ever bother me, like getting my blood drawn. It's painful, but it's yeah, not but like the end kind of the of world. And,
1: yeah, right. You just grin and bear it.
0: It really. Yeah, it doesn't. The pain doesn't stay with you. It it really only hurts in the very beginning. It's like this weird pressure, like a pinch and a pressure. But yeah, I never minded getting shots and all of that it didn't bother me.
1: Yeah, we had the coolest Dr. LaPera. I don't know if we talked about him too much on the podcast. He was the coolest cat. I mean, just envision like the Italian, the older Italian version of Bob Ross. He had the most comforting voice. And yeah, he always made you feel like, and he was like a family friend. And even his receptionist, Sandy, who we got to know over the year, it was like, ironically enough, the pediatrician's office for us was like one of the most comforting places.
0: A lot of clown imagery in there, though. He liked clowns. Which I don't. But I never really minded them either. You weren't
1: afraid of them. No, they were always weird. Now, we know somebody who grew up with a fear of clowns. Do you know who I'm going to say? Dana? Yeah. She hated clowns. One of those fears I never got. She must have really loved going to Dr. LaParis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll have to ask her about that. How she felt about that. That must have been like secretly horrifying for her. Now, she had a Bozo the Clown nightlight. Now I don't know which had which was like a plastic nightlight that had an image of Bozo the Clown's face, the old cartoon of Bozo the Clown, and the words Bozo written on it. Now, why did Mom and Dad have to force her to have
0: the Bozo the Clown nightlight? I think we all know why. <laughs> a little a little humor, right? A little humor had to be. Now the next one comes from Stee Coventry. Now I'm always. I think we went over this before. S-T-E. This is a British thing. Is that Ste? St- st- Stee. Stee. I don't know.
1: It's all caps. No, no, oh, okay. not like
0: no. S-t-e. S.T.E. S.T.E. I don't know. Stew. And you just it's a typo. No, it's not a typo. Oh, OK. Because this is know. the person's name that was on his account. Oh, OK. I think we've done this before. So I'm sorry, Mr. Coventry. We'll just call you that. Saint E. Saint E. Saint Saint E. Coventry. <laughs> Ronan said, hey, fellas, hope all is well. When I was a kid, I had the misfortune of seeing the ring, which I am sure you can imagine uh. shit me up kind of bad. I used to have this recurring nightmare when I was running down an empty road with my two friends. We'd glance back to see the little girl stood in the distance. Every time it was the same, I turned back and see her and then almost immediately feel my legs slowing. Oh, almost dude. as if I was, trying to, I was trying to sprint underwater, like a real heaviness to the way I was moving. No matter how hard I try to push myself, my two friends either side would press on and I'd start to slow. Each time I turn around, that horrible cunt got closer and closer until it was right on top of me and I'd wake up genuinely petrified. That was I, a scary movie. I dealt with the shit for years, boys. Then I realized I'm 24 and if she tried to invade my dreams again, I'd volley her in her fucking teeth. Have a good one, lads. <laughs> there you go. A lot of Britishisms in there. Thank I like you it. I like it. Yeah, that movie is scary. Very scary movie.
1: One of one of my scariest and the American remake is a lot more frightening than the original Japanese film that's based on yeah that movie sticks with me that little girl is one of the things like when I'm by myself and feeling a a little skittish that's one of the things I tend to think of is her especially her little the way she teleports and the way she doesn't really walk in a you know conventional way that she could like move faster and the imagery in that movie Kyle now here's the thing let me comfort you guys by saying that there's no more VHS tapes so we're okay now because that whole thing was centered around the video, the VHS video. But you remember the imagery that, I guess it was a part of the video, right? Where it was like the imagery of the chair and the barn with like the ladder. Right. It was just like creepy stuff that really, it was like really um, avant-garde, almost like a avant-garde video. But for some reason, the juxtaposition of those items was really scary. That was really scary imagery. That's a, that's a frightening, uh, and the horse jumping off the ferry, that's a frightening movie. I'd like yeah. to see it again, actually.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. It's funny. You and I are different, too, where when I'm thinking of something scary, I have to go seek it out and look at it.
1: You have to look you, at so
0: it. So the thing that I'm still most frightened of is the interstitial and the exorcist that they put up of the devil and I, like once a frame every so often, I still go look at that all the That's time. That's scary. I have to just look at it and pause it and stare at it. Like, I'm, I'm like crazy.
1: No, I think that helps you deal with your fears.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, it's still authentically scary. Sometimes I look at it, I'm like, it can't be that. Bad. No, that is scary. No, it's horrifying. scary. <laughs> Uh, it's like absolutely completely horrific. Exactly the way I think Satan looks. That's how I think Satan looks, like with the sunken eyes and shit like that, yeah. and like almost looks vamp- vampiric. Or yes, whatever. exactly. That's a
1: scary image. Oh, definitely.
0: We'll definitely do one on that too. I haven't read The Exorcist. So I'd like to read it.
1: Oh, uh, I never read it either. I never knew that image existed until I took a psychology of film class in college, which is which was an elective, and my teacher was really big on The Exorcist, and he showed us all that
0: imagery. I never saw it before. I never knew that was because It's on. It's like three frames or something. Yeah. Right? It's like really quick. And I noticed it when I was younger. I remember it, but I didn't pause it. I was like, what the, like, it's almost like one of the, it's like, what you caught it. Yeah. It looked like a mistake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Alex Castellanos wrote in. Hey, Alex says as a child, I had a Mickey mouse coin bank of Mickey as a baseball player. It sat atop. My dresser smiling and looking ready to play ball. However, at night, if I turned over in my bed or couldn't quite fall asleep, Mickey looked over at me with this horrifying grin and looked as if he was going to bash me over the head with said baseball bat. And he experiences similar to this as a child. Oh, yes. Talk to me about it. I think, you know, what's funny about this? I think I know this bank.
1: I'm going to go look it up. If it's ceramic, then I definitely know which one he's talking about. Mickey's in like a red and white pinstripe suit. He's got the baseball hat on and it's because I think it was a popular one, but like a lot of kids just had it for some reason. But I, had to, I don't know if I ever told you about this, Kyle. This is fascinating, actually. I was telling this to, I think, my daughter the other day. I had this thing. Again, this harkens back to mom and dad. Like, why was this thing in my bedroom? You might even remember this thing. It was a plastic giraffe. It was about
0: four oh, feet tall. it was a, a coat rack. It was a coat rack. Yeah, I remember that.
1: About four feet tall, plastic giraffe. It was just to hang your coats on. And it was in my room. And I guess, in theory, it's a cute little thing. It was Kind of a large-scale thing it was literally a plastic giraffe that you could just hang you know it had a bunch of um you know little almost like little handlebars sticking out and you could just hang hang your clothes on and hang your raincoat on and hang your coat on i don't know why it was in my room dude the thing had the most terrifying expression it had this like insidious tilt to its head and wherever you went it just looked at you and it had this like it had sort of a furrowed brow for some reason and like a like a smile it just looked evil it just looked dude I used to have to cover its face at night. It was in my room from the time I was at least four. Because I'm, I'm not sure if I had it in the really old house. So when we moved to Medford, I was at least four. All the way through Medford. So all the way through being 11, 12 years old, it was in my room. Even though I was terrified of it. I was terrified of it being that old as well. But why couldn't mom and dad just take it out of my room? Did you tell them that you were afraid of I it? I don't know, actually. why? W- that's the other thing. Why wouldn't I tell them I was afraid of it? I don't know. Because I was You were strange. I mean, dude, I was afraid of it. It it was in my nightmares and stuff like that, chasing me around and stuff like that, but yet I left it in my room. And you covered its face. And I covered its face often. That's the best part of that story, in my opinion. Awful, dad. And P.S. Dad still has it. Does he? It used to be. That's why I thought you were familiar with it because it was in his basement in the old house in Bercy oh, before might... he moved a year ago. Right. And I say going down his basement, I was like, Dad, why is that? <laughs> that might be one when I admitted it. To mom and dad i was like you got to get rid of that thing and they were like why and then i realized like you never told them that you were scared of that thing
0: yeah so. i don't think i think it was in my room at some point i don't think i was scared of it you weren't no i remember I think it, it very was well. in your
1: room actually yeah it
0: was like in the corner i might have put it in there you probably did <laughs> blair toms wrote in and said i had a very strange fear growing up as a kid i had an overwhelming fear of becoming sick i don't know why but i suspected i really did not want to miss out on big events or fun times." I would obsessively wash my hands and do my best not to touch things I thought could have germs. Thankfully, this fear subsided as the years went on. But it is something that really consumed me in my elementary school years. Wow. Were you afraid of getting sick? Of no, I mean, like of, of getting a cold or getting a fever
1: or a chicken box and missing school? No, I think it was probably the opposite.
0: I remember that media in the 90s and in late 80s into the 90s did such an effective job of scaring everyone about AIDS as if every fucking person mm. was going to get AIDS mm-hmm. that I was afraid, which was complete nonsense, of course, but we didn't realize it at the time that I was totally afraid of getting AIDS. Uh, and I remember it being like when Magic Johnson played on the dream team that that was kind of when I was like, oh, all right, it's fine. You know, he's still alive, by the way, He's still doing great. But and he has HIV, not AIDS. But that's right. right that's exactly. the point. It was like when everyone because I remember that I mean, well, reading about it afterwards and watching some documentaries, like some people were a little afraid of playing with him because of his in, you know, because he was infected with HIV. But there was like this weird time in my life where I was like, oh, I don't want to get AIDS or whatever. But I didn't really understand how you got it or it, it was just so I mean, it was such a terrible thing that was happening to especially the gay community and especially impoverished communities in Africa and, and people sharing needles and all these kinds of things that would allow you to kind of facilitate getting HIV and AIDS. But we just didn't know that at the time. And I almost feel like it was like so irresponsible the way that people talked about it in hindsight. I don't know if you agree. You were much more aware at that time than I was. But I I felt like older. I felt like it was insane. Like when looking back on it, I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Like this. I felt like this was constantly being. I was being bombarded with this shit. Yeah. As if like millions and
1: millions and millions of Americans were dying of AIDS. It here. was really mishandled. I, you know, it's funny, Kyle. I I didn't I didn't really think about it that much. I mean, I was a little younger. I wasn't sexually active yet. I mean, I was like junior high school or intermediate school age. But and I'm still. Uh, let's preserve some mystique. Maybe I'm still not sexually active. Your children were immaculate. <laughs> but you know, it's a really good question to go back and examine that time period and know how much of it was just out of fear, how much of it was just out of ignorance, how much they purported things on purpose. It's that's a really fascinating time period for that. Yeah, but completely, yeah. I mean seemingly completely handled poorly.
0: Yeah, it seemed irresponsible. I understand like raising awareness, but making everyone seem like they were just going to get AIDS everywhere was like a little much for me. And I remember that even being a kid and and just in hindsight, was an attempt at population control. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't mean, know who because knows? well, I think we talked about it on another show that I was so fascinated listening to someone talk about how there was this theory that it was just going to make a this this jump to the straight community. And you can get it in, with straight sure, sex and sure. straight anal sex and all of that, of course. But they made it seem like it was just I remember like it made it seem like we were all going to die of this of this thing if we weren't incredibly careful. Right. And it just it was. Just, and then but then you see Magic Johnson playing basketball, sweating all over everyone. Flops of sweat going everywhere. Everyone's touching them, big. and that was what really I was like. All right, everything's. That's yeah, a, a good
1: point, my friend.
0: So that ended up being a really effective. Them, and that was a really effective tool for a lot of people probably to get over it. Jay Naylor wrote into us and said, "Hello, guys. Another question for this round. Hope you're in good spirits." According to my mother, when I was little, I was absolutely terrified of the theme tune to a program on here in the UK called <laughs> Songs of Praise, which is this weird religious program that fills people, that films people singing choral religious songs. No idea why it scared me, but there you go. Did either of you have any fears that were triggered by sounds or songs? Take it easy. Are you going to pull it up?
1: No. You know what? It made me think of something else, Kyle. You, you, you go. This made me think of something fast. Well,
0: so first of all, it's no big surprise to me that you were afraid of that kind of religious music religious music is scary i mean that's like i think that's an objective fact
1: you think it could be a little creepy
0: yeah like like this orchestral situation in a church with people humming and and all you know whatever the case may be i think that kind of stuff is scary and i totally understand why that would be frightening to someone i think it is creepy i mean think about why a castlevania soundtrack is so effective it's very religious it's yes. very it's very much like so, like a bastardization of something that you might hear in church or whatever so yeah i totally understand that but you know what what, what i was going to bring up was because this was the song you want to talk about an audio cue that had me fucking cringing oh i okay? can't wait to hear
1: this yeah i don't know if I, I mean know this about is something
0: that, that still horrifies me. i don't out. know if i know about that are you going to play it yeah
1: oh i can't do oh wait oh
0: wait wait I'm just gonna fast forward. What happened there? You can cut this out, Dustin. What just happened to my phone? My phone just like, my phone just reset.
1: Oh, did it really? That's fucking weird. That is weird. You were trying to play something scary and the phone reset. Yeah, my
0: phone just straight up reset. You're freaking Look. me out. What? It's I'm showing Dagan. It has the. You can keep this on actually. Now. Were Dustin. you holding down the button? No, I know how to use an iPhone,
1: dude. That's freaking me out. That's totally freaking me okay, out. Okay, back plus now. i looking at scary stuff here.
0: That's weird. I don't like that at all.
1: That's a little strange.
0: So let me try again. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up again, dude. If your phone shuts down again, that's fucking weird. And I'm just gonna fast forward.
1: Oh, it's that,
0: dude. This song gets horrifying at at, at a point. This part.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it's it sounds like the beginning of Silent Hill or something. What is what is that? Oh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's creepy, dude. That was that was that
0: was the sign, Dude, I was so afraid of that song that I clearly remember, like when mom would watch that show. It was on Friday night or something like that. The new episodes. Right. With Robert Stack, of course that I would literally like get as far away from the living room or the den as possible oh and like do God. anything I could to not hear it. How old are you? At that? I time? was like six, five, six, seven. You oh know, I remember going upstairs to play Mega Man 2 one night in my room, like just to get away from it, like blasting the TV on that old like CRT we had from the 70s, trying as hard as I could to get away from that song. That song still terrifies me, especially that part I just showed where it's like, like that, that just like that pitch that just goes up. It's just so that's one of the scariest. That's yeah. a, that's a common one that people are afraid of. That's a scary one. You could understand that one, especially if you're little, because that's
1: really heavy. You know what I mean? That's something that you're not typical. You know, used to hearing on television.
0: Dude, I can't believe my sh- my fucking phone f- shut off when I tried to. Yeah, that play was, that.
1: That was really weird. So, Kyle, did you ever hear about this whole thing? This is really fascinating, actually. I actually forgot about this. I'm glad this came up. I'm glad you guys reminded me. and You, you and the writers, our, our listeners, reminded me of this. There was a, a Sundance documentary, or a documentary that was entered into Sundance in 2010 called The S From Hell. Did you ever hear about this? No. It's how this director, Rodney Asher, somehow he, he gained the information that the old Screen Gems logo from, the 19, from 1964... That a lot of people of that those generations grew up super terrified of it. That when they got to be older, they admitted to each other, like, remember that old Screen Gems logo? And all it was was a movie logo and a little sting with a little sound that played before movies and TV shows. And the whole documentary, is like, it's, a, it's a short documentary. I think it's only nine minutes long. It's fascinating. It's about that old Screen Gems logo. And I want to play it if I could find it. So let me cue it up. Okay. And li- literally, it's just that. Yeah, yeah I know that logo. Yeah, and and the sound like that accompanies it, which is really really strange.
0: That's so funny. It's so weird. Like the like, things we carry. What is ca- it
1: that is so sinister
0: about? We it. carry these things with our with. You know, it's what's funny is when you realize that you're carrying, harboring this shit and you realize that a bunch of other people are also harboring it. Like, right. The actually the large margin thing was something that I only thought I was afraid of until I was much older, like oh, in my everybody 20s, but was afraid of that. No, I know. But no one told me that, especially because you, especially because I think Dana would like play it and think it was funny that I was afraid of it. You know, so. OK, so like they, they so they to didn't me, talk about it. So to me. Yeah. So I was just like, I don't want to deal with this. And I wasn't until I was probably after college where I realized that that was somewhat common. So it's funny that you harbor these things and hold them with you and don't assume. Isn't it weird that anyone else feels the same way? It's so. Yeah,
1: but it's it's it could be cathartic to talk about.
0: And definitely. Did you find it?
1: I'm going to try to find it. It's it's kind of isn't it weird, though, isn't it? It's kind of creepy when things aren't really made to be creepy, but they're creepy. Definitely, you know what I mean? Definitely. Because like the,
0: the Unsolved mystery song is obviously made to be creepy. So everyone's afraid of that song. Everyone listens to that song because it's horrifying. But yeah, that's such an interesting thing. That's I, a
1: good pull. That's such a big, good pull, Kyle. I love that. Because I forgot about that. that I- oh, here it is. All right. This says extended logo. Let's try this one. All right, you guys. Here, I'm going to try to play this theme for you guys. It's- yeah, this is.
0: What is so scary about that? I don't know. Is it the horns that come out? I don't know.
1: And I mean, and that's it.
0: Yeah, I know that logo. They right? still use the that logo. Screen
1: Gems logo. You guys should go look it up. It Screen doesn't... Gems
0: still exists, right? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I definitely know that logo. So it's either from old movies or new movies. I don't know. It's really or interesting. It could be both. The fuck do I know? I don't know anything about movies. Shall we move on? Yes, my friend. Of course. Let's see. Where are we? Here? I have some funny ones. Jacob Spellman, we only have three more memories that we can get into some of the ones we haven't talked about yet. All right, Jacob. This is a more irrational fear I had when I was a teenager. But do you guys remember when George W. Bush almost choked to death on a pretzel? That shit really fucked me up. I didn't eat anything when my parents left me alone in the house for about a year because I was afraid of eating anything without someone around to give me the Heimlich maneuver. I I do remember that very well.
1: I had this fear of it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't down to George Bush. Yeah, I was just telling Helene about this the other day because I was talking about what an anxious kid I was. And I went through a particularly anxious period from about, I don't know, probably eight or nine through like being 14, maybe. I went through like, I was just always anxious about something new. And each phase would I last- I fear like, you. I feel you, rather. Right? I fear you. I, I feel you. Like each phase would last like three weeks. And the, there was one phase that was completely, again, the, the, the word irrational keeps coming up, which is so interesting to me, but where I was just really afraid of choking, I don't even know where it came from. And I used to be really nervous eating. It's not that I didn't eat. I still ate. I was always kind of a little bit of a fat face with my food. But I was really just for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden I woke up one morning after a few weeks and I
0: was like. You moved on. I moved on. It's the best feeling when you don't even know what you're afraid about anymore. But you're st- you wake up with the fucking your stomach <laughs> in your throat and you don't even know why. It's like every day of my life. It's really Poor great. Cow. Joshua Stags wrote in and said, Hi, guys, I have to blame my mom for this one, but I was terrified that vampires were real in my childhood. Mm. I was probably five and my mom had me watch the horror of Dracula and Dracula Prince of Darkness. I had several nightmares when we would when he would chase me and turn all my friends into vampires. I couldn't even look at the window on a dark out the window on a dark, windy night without imagining something was out there waiting for me. Luckily, I also grew up in a Catholic household and had several crucifixes and rosaries to keep me safe at night. Do either of you have any movies that led to having any fears of certain monsters? Etc. Mm-hmm. What monster scared you?
1: You know, like I said, the the aliens from Aliens really actually scare me a lot. The little girl from The Ring really scared me a lot. The the one creature, the one giant creature. I don't know if you remember this call from the original Poltergeist. Again, going back to Poltergeist, there's a there's a scene where this giant demonic monster, right when they pull Carol Ann out and you see whatever this thing is. That thing is terror. That thing terrified me as a kid. And Michael Myers always scared me a lot. Yeah, he's a scary dude. He's that's a scary that that has a lot of scary resonance for me. What about you?
0: Yeah, so there was there is a little bit of fear, like I said, of Nosferatu earlier of vampires themselves. But I used to I don't think I ever told you this, that when I when we lived in our Marie Court on our old at our old house, I used to pretend that it was like Simon's quest. Because there was all these different houses that I would pretend were the mansions. And then our friend Tim's house at the back was like the biggest house. And I pre- had like a little spire, actually. And I pretend that that was like the castle.
1: Yeah, that and that's so, awesome. And so <laughs> I would
0: run like it was nighttime. I would often run home pretending that I was being chased to like a mansion or something that's like that. Awesome. Back to our stoop. And then that would turn into like its own set of nightmares where I would dream about that. Right. And still sometimes I have dreams about about that. I don't, I don't know that it's a nightmare. I don't know that I have many nightmares. You could freak yourself out as a kid. Oh, definitely. It was it's all part of the imaginative nature of being a kid, I think. But yeah, I used to, you know, because Simon's Quest is about five mansions and a castle and how you're going in all of them and our, our development was six houses. So, right. I quickly identified that I could play Simon's Quest in my mind, and so I did that. Dude, that's awesome.
1: You know, speaking of Brookhaven, Kyle, did I ever tell you about what I used to do in, you know, Colin and I lived, we talk about it often. Marie Court was in Brookhaven Hamlet. It was a little pocket on the South Coast, you know, the South Shore of Long Island, and it was very rural. It was surrounded by the suburbs, but in it, it in itself was an old, really a really rural pocket. And there was the, there were a lot of building codes, you couldn't do a lot. There was there wasn't a lot of street lights. Protected land and all this. Yeah, protected farmland, preserved land. And I we used to skate up at the elementary school where the, which is the elementary school where we all went to school, including Carl Brooke Brookhaven Elementary, but it was probably, how far would you say Brookhaven Elementary was from our, our house? Late? Like a mile and a half, maybe something like You think that? it's that far? Even that far? No, well, maybe a mile, some yeah, like, yeah, something some like that. Yeah, something like that. Far in, Fireplace Firefly. Neck Road. Fireplace Neck Road, my friend. Yep. Via Beaver Dam and then Old Stump. So, a lot of times we'd skate there at night because there was picnic tables and like waxed curbs and stuff, And but a lot of my friends would either leave earlier or they lived in different directions. So, I was skating home by myself in the dead of night, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And once you left the vicinity of the elementary school, there was no lights. There was literally no lights at all. There was none. It was completely pitch. But so I would skate like a bat out of hell. Dude, if I ever hit anything, I would have died. I would skate so fast to get home. I remember it was a game, but it was kind of a horrifying game for me. And I would literally just skate as fast as I possibly could and just hope that I could just hope that I could get home as fast as humanly possible. And I did that over and over again. And again, it was like nightmare fuel. Like it affected me a lot as a kid because it really... And I was older. I was in my teens, 13, 14, 15 years old doing that. So it's so funny
0: how you could get into your own head and just kind of scare yourself as a kid. Yeah, it's like kind of fun. I, it's the same thing... I used to be afraid of going into our basement just because there was that crawl space near the washer and dryer where there was a bunch of stuff stored. And I used to have nightmares that you would crawl through it and it just kept going into something else. And so I actually that's actually one dream I still sometimes have for some reason where it just went to this back complex, as it were. Isn't that? Isn't that so? It's funny? very strange. Very strange indeed. Dig, I think the final one we have here is not your real dad. He wrote and said... Did your parents or family members ever try to cure you of a fear or would they have fun with it at the behest of your sanity? Well, oh, here we go. Don't I have a story for all of you? So I had this recurring nightmare as a kid, probably from a, probably when I was in a crib until. It went away at some point, probably age 10 or something like that. OK. And it was the tickly monster. Uh, I, had, I, I really ask Aaron, like I get really actually I snap at her sometimes when she like accidentally tickles me. Like sometimes I'll have my feet like out on the bed and she'll just like, you know, touch my foot as she's like walking by just to say hello or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck? You know, like <laughs> it all goes back to like and I feel bad about it afterwards. Like I hate being tickled. I hate being gently touched. Like you can touch my foot with like and grab it. But if you're just going to brush me, don't fucking touch me. I never knew. I don't know if I ever knew this. And it all goes you. back to being horrified, of being tickled. And so I'd, I had this dream that this man, the tickly monster who had a mustache, because I used to think, by the way, that all people with mustaches were what, would I, what I would call strangers. Strangers. I thought everyone with a mustache was a stranger, which was weird because my best friend's dad had a mustache and everything. It was very strange. <laughs> so... That was like a whole thing. So I would like wake up like screaming and crying. I don't know if you remember that in the middle of the night. Like I'd sometimes be really upset. Right. Waking up from these dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Of being tickled. And basically the whole thing was like I was being tickled to death under the arms and on my stomach and on my feet and whatever, and just couldn't breathe. And it was like this really uncomfortable thing. I hate hate. Dude, if you want to get anything out of me, tickle me. <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you anything i'll give you anything you want i didn't know i don't put know. a gun to my head it would be way less scarier than I you tickle me just the
1: tickly monster himself
0: no i don't well i think that's where this comes from like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very sensitive to the touch like that and so there's a second part to this though okay. which dagan is well aware of that i once foolishly told everyone in my family so this was probably i was like five six i remember in our kitchen this. We had these like decorative dishes and like placards, like these pieces of strange art, like, you know, whatever, whatever you'd have in a normal kitchen. And one of them was this guy, this just this guy with a mustache who is like in some sort of rural setting. And I was like, by the way, that's the tickly monster. And I only said this like years, like a few years after I started having these nightmares. And I remember everyone being like, you just sat here every day eating dinner and sitting at the kitchen table, and that was that, that this was whole him. time he was looking at you and so then once that once you guys found that out then he used to make fun of me about it and like point it out sometimes to me and stuff like that especially the girls and so that really stuck with me but then suddenly i just stopped having those nightmares and and then but i don't know so i don't know where it came from i don't know where the mustache thing came from but it was that
1: dude yeah it's so funny it's so you, whatever you built in your head as a kid you know what's funny about that picture, Kyle? Do you remember it? It was actually three images of three different men. I think I do remember it. And it was that, yeah. vertically situated, and each one—it was like a tri- it was like a triptych, and each one was probably I don't know, like four inches by four inches or something, right? I always thought it was the Three Musketeers, and that's kind of what they looked like. They had the frilly collars right. and the and the handlebar mustache, you know, the flamboyant clothing. But it was shot in like a—it was like painted or whatever in like a sepia tone, so it was all blues. Um, I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if I do. remember. It was that, all huh? shades of blue. It was really it was really weird. Like we gotta ask mom and dad where that particular thing came from. But you know that the the uh, tickly monster made it into the background of one of the kind of funny animated. Series yes. Shows, yes.
0: Right. We put that in there. And that kind of funny, you know, which is the company that I co-founded in 2015. Our parent company, the company we founded to found the company is called Tickly Monster. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. I said that on the checks. Yep. So that's so even though I'm not there anymore and they probably don't want me to ever be there again, they're always going to have to remember me because it's called Tickly, because Monster. Of Tickly Monster. That's all Colin Moriarty. There you go, my friend. That's all. Colin. Yeah, because we wanted to figure out a way to like we were assuming like, well, what if we made other brands and what do we did? That's so like, what could we do? Like, what kind of weird thing could we do? Just like Bad Robot and stuff like that. It's like, what kind of company yeah, yeah. do we make? And I'm like, Makes what about sense. Tickly Monster? And we, I told that story on one of the shows. and we thought, it, I think Nick thought it was so funny that we made it the name of the company. And I think it will always be the name of the company.
1: That's such a legit that whole story. The tickly monster is such a legit piece of Colin
0: lore. Do, do mom and dad still have that picture? I don't know. But if they do, I want it. I oh, mean, that's you do the, I do want it. I would totally put that in my office or something. I think that'd be so cool. Right. <laughs> it's so it's so iconic. It's that's an iconic story like to no, our it really is. And I just love I, I so remember everyone being so surprised that it, that was who it was. Because I legit remember you
1: copying to that. I remember I remember that. I do remember that. I was like six maybe or something, seven. We were like,
0: I was just like, what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That thing? It was one of, you know, it's one of those weird things. Like we all have this in in our homes that we grew up in. It's just like those weird parts of the house that that are decorations that actually are kind of strange, but they just become part of the, you know, they just become part of the patchwork of your everyday that it becomes normal. No one ever, it's one of those weird things that if you really look at it, you're like, that's kind of weird, but... You never ask, you never second guess it because
0: it's just always been there. But you could just, yeah, exactly. But you could just imagine me sitting in my high chair or something and kind of just like look, taking glances yeah, at creepy. this thing.
1: It's kind of creepy. And, ha- and
0: over time haunting me and over time <laughs> seeping its way into my very primitive brain. You know, very weird stuff.
1: It is awesome. I All right, Dig.
0: I'm sure we didn't touch on everything. So I wanted to ask you what else you wanted to share that of stories that we didn't, we weren't able to draw from the audience.
1: Well... You know, my in thinking about fears and thinking about my experiences over the years, I wanted to think about the strangest one I've ever, the strangest fear I've ever heard of. And I had an ex-girlfriend who was like my first, probably one of my first serious ex-girlfriends when I was late, you know, late in my teens. And we we dated for a few years. And it came out eventually that she was, I don't know if I ever told you this, that she was afraid of buttons. Okay? Now... This came out because we used to visit her grandma from time to time in Amityville or Massapequa, or wherever it was. Amityville. Maybe it was in Baldwin. I don't know. <laughs> that area, that whole area. Right. And her grandma had a jar of buttons on her bureau. And she would tell me that, oh my God, I grew up with that jar of buttons and it really like... You know like the buttons really like freak me out and like we were already dating for a couple of years when this happened and she was like they really they're they're so gross and I was like wait what like i I thought she was joking I thought she was making some kind of weird joke and I took the jar of buttons and I put it near her and she acted like I had like a severed head like she w- she knew it was kind of funny and weird but she was also acting horrified she was like oh my god like and she was acting all grossed out and I was like what is uh, you know, I had never heard of anything like this before. It was just a jar of random, of, like, a variety of buttons. That's all it was. It was an old jar Did of every
0: buttons. grandma have one of those? We had one of those at grandma's house, too. About I remember jar that. buttons, yeah. Very but weird.
1: But tur- as it turns out, this is a real thing. Like, people are grossed out and afraid of buttons. And I know this because I listen to another, po- a big YouTube show that I like, I really admire a lot, called Welcome to the Basement, where the two guys, just Matt and Craig, they just basically talk about movies. and It's, it's hilarious. It's a great show. And... I think it was Craig told the story that he dated a girl who was afraid of buttons, and she had a she had a very similar thing, ex- except she had a Ziploc bag. There was a Ziploc bag full of buttons, and she wouldn't go near it. And she was really put off and skeeved out and afraid of it. And I, to this day, I just don't understand what the button thing is. I can't wrap my head around it. Very you know? interesting. It's the weirdest thing ever. Was she afraid of buttons if they weren't in that jar? No, like if she they were never on your acted shirt? like it. That's the fir- one of the first things I asked her. I was like, is that... Like if there was, if I was wearing a button down, like a plaid button down shirt with, but no, it was just the fact of them all being clumped together or something hmm. really strange. It's so, it's one of those things that you're, it's absolutely amazing that more than one person could have that fear. Cause it's just the most, it's the oddest thing I've ever heard.
0: That is strange. It's so odd. Very strange. I have a few I have to share with you. Please. That I don't think we were able to touch on. One was uh, getting buried alive. I've talked about this on mm. other shows before in other contexts, but basically just to reiterate, my mom was folding clothes watching Days of Our Lives in the late 80s. <laughs> there was a whole sub, sub arc in which this character gets buried alive and he's freaking out in his coffin or whatever, and I, it stuck with me forever and Dude, still sticks with me to this day. That's haunting. Did you uh, ever see Bill,
1: Kill Bill Volume 2? I think, bride... I, I, think I,
0: I think I saw both of them, but I don't remember anymore.
1: Yeah, because that, that happens in that movie, and it's very hard to watch.
0: Yeah, I don't... I'm not down with uh, getting buried alive. That's why I, by the way, and just saying it on here, I've said it many times, I must be cremated. I must... So I'm <laughs> not even joking. Aaron has the full instructions. I think I've given the full instructions to mom. You cannot bury me. You must cremate me. Good night, sweet prince. You must contact me. You must me. <laughs> uh, Another fear I think was a rational one was losing parents and loved ones, but... And I've talked to you about this in the in the sense that I was afraid for a while, for several years of my childhood, that reality could somehow change to where your mom and dad wouldn't be your mom and dad anymore. You'd wake up or like be in a reality where you had different parents or different siblings and stuff. And I used to literally make mom specifically dad, actually. But mom also promised that they would see me in the morning. I would say something like, love you. Love you, too. See you in the morning. Promise.
1: That's and so and that would be
0: that is so sweet. And because I was afraid that I wouldn't have dad anymore as my father. It wasn't that I was afraid dad was going to die. It was that I was afraid that like I would wake up and I would just be in a totally different reality. But no one would believe oh, me. Oh, okay, OK. Oh, wow, you know, or something like that, where That's be, some
1: sci-fi shit,
0: right? Where there. Yeah. Where like I woke up and I was ingratiated in this parallel Moriarty family in which none of the members were the were the same. What? And I was especially afraid of this with mom's ex-boyfriend, who I got along with for a while. This guy, Andy, because I was afraid that he would become my dad. Like I was afraid that of getting too close to him because then I was afraid that I was tempting fate in such a way that dad wouldn't be my dad anymore. Was just a totally irrational childhood fear. Yeah, but it's understandable. Oh, that's a, that's just such a, such a heartbreaking one. And it, I I just wrote down here that what I was so surprised was I just wasn't afraid of like normal the 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 weird shit that was happening to me in the moment as a kid. Like my childhood was pretty tumultuous from moving and the parents getting divorced and. Just a lot of ups and downs. But for some reason, none of that stuff ever affected me in the moment. It only affected me much later. So it was like all these weird things that I occupied my mind with that might have just been distractions that subconsciously were keeping me away from feeling what I was really feeling. Yeah. Finally, I have to tell the story that when I was 12 years old, I did a Ouija board with my friends, the Kochers, and it told me I was going to die when I was 23 so I always remembered that. And then when I turned 23, I became hyper. I was my first year at IGN. I became hyper cognizant that I was going to die at some moment. This this calendar, why did you this ask year. it that? I don't know. I don't. It's about the dumbest thing you could do. Absolutely. Yeah. We all asked it that. I think I don't even want to say what I remember what Tim, what Tim said to I don't even want to tempt fate. That's so, terrible. That's terrible. Tim's was later. So he wouldn't have been dead by now if the Ouija board was right.
1: Ouija boards were absolutely forbidden in our house growing up. Mom, mom had a bad. I don't remember mom's bad experience. I would relay it here if I remember. But she had a really bad experience. Do you know about this? I don't think With so. With the Ouija board when she was a teenager and she was horrified of them. And she would tell us like, you're absolutely forbidden to touch a Ouija board you know, and I was very obedient. So I listened. I don't think I've ever touched a Ouija board in my life, actually.
0: Yeah, we did. They're scary, dude. They are scary. They're weird. Yeah. Mom is a very spiritual person, very spiritually connected person. She, you know, she told, I think, on the show, even she died when she, you know, for a little while when she was 12. Yeah. And died for a few minutes and and has a, a story about seeing the light and going towards the light and all that kind of stuff. And is a God-fearing woman and stuff. So I think a lot of that has to do with that as well. Yeah. Which is very, it's very unCatholic to to ask spirits for, for information from the yeah. beyond. Yes. But man, that must have been terrifying for you. Yeah, I, I harbored that for the rest, for 11 years Ooh. until I got, I remember, I remember like very clearly when I turned 24 being like, well, that was bullshit. You know? <laughs> and then moving on with my life,
1: you know? Oh my God. At least you didn't have to be horrified. I'm Sammy the snake. And I have to confess that my name begins with the letter S. I remember, I remember actually leaving the room. Like, but why
0: didn't I just shut it off? I don't know. You just left it on. <laughs> That's all I really have to share, Digg. Are you done with your reminiscences? I have reminiscences? one more fear that you guys
1: will think you guys will laugh at. I'm sure, but this was a this was an actual bona fide fear of mine in high school. And I'll I'll admit this. I don't know if I ever admit this to anybody in my entire life. I was terrified in high school of being beat up by a girl. <laughs> now, it wasn't just one girl, a girl. I'm talking about being just being beat, beat up by a girl in general because at some point we we went to school. I went to school with a lot of tough kids, including some of the girls. And I was not a fighter. Let's put it, let's put it liberally. I was not a fighter. But for some reason, I just realized some. The fact dawned on me that probably the worst thing that could happen to somebody socially in high school for a, for a boy, for a ninth grade boy, for instance, was to get beat up by a girl in front of everybody. So I was terrified of it. So how I dealt with that was I was super nice to everybody, especially people that I didn't know that well, that could have maybe misunderstood me or not liked me having not knowing me, you know, not knowing me too well. I always made sure there was no misunderstanding. And it was so funny, like, because we took so many electives and I was in different classes and then you had gym and health and you you weren't always an art and you weren't always with the same kids. And I was on a lower, like similar to Colin, I was on a lower math track and a much higher English track. I took a language I was on a higher science track. So it was, you know what I mean? So I was always with different kids. So I got to sort of be around a, vari- a great variety of people. But yeah, that was a really big fear of mine, at least through ninth and 10th grade. I was like, you know, that was my my ethos was do not get beat up by a girl. It'll ruin your high school experience yeah, you get beat up by a girl. It'll ruin your life. I don't know where it came from. That's so funny. And you weren't beaten up by a girl. No, I had some girls that gave me a hard time, but I think they were just teasing me. Like there was one girl, Cassandra Washington. I went to school with her my whole life, and I always got along with her. Like I went to school, so like I was with her in school from kindergarten, and we were in high school together. And when she got older, in junior high school and high school, maybe she was tr- had a troubled home life. I'm not really too sure about her background actually, but she got into a lot of fights. And some of the girl fights in our school could be pretty intense. Yeah, definitely. And that might be, I mean, like clothes getting ripped off and all that kind of stuff. I mean, fights in general were intense, but the girl fights were particularly intense, especially in high school. And maybe early in high school, I saw it happen a few times and I was like, dude, there's no way, if you get in a fight with that girl, she's going to kill you. Like you can't even, you can't even stand up to a girl that, that's like that strong at fighting, you know? So for, for whatever reason, that, the fact that that matter terrified me and- it was so funny how it, like, really influenced my behavior, you know? Not that I would misbehave or treat anyone like shit, but I was so, like, went out of my way to be so sweet. Right. I, I, I really remember do, being like that, you know? And every day leaving school, is being like, all right, got through, got through that day. Let's just get through this Man, week. Like, it's so funny. That's funny.
0: <laughs> it's funny how meaningless all this stuff is now and how poignant and important it was to us at the time. We, oh, I mean, it seems a common like- theme. In our stories,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. It's so fun. it's it's kind of funny how spiders didn't come up too. well I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but no one said they were afraid of spiders.
0: Yeah, I'm terrified of spiders, but I don't feel like that was a childhood fear. That's just a general fear. Yeah, like Aaron and I quarrel over like who's gonna kill the spider when we find one. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm gonna it. And, and my favorite thing to do is like, I like get set up. It takes me like minutes to like prepare. Once you see the spider, yeah, I put I put like the you know you you assume the spider's not gonna move. It's on the wall or whatever. We live in a really nice apartment building now, and we live five stories up, so we really don't see any bugs anymore. But when I was in San Francisco, we, I used to see them all the time. And what I would do is I would use the Swiffer mop like thing with the flat end without like a without whatever, like a cloth on it or whatever. Sure. And just sm- like you so you can get it from afar Yeah, it makes and sense. just smash it from afar. But you got to get it. You got to hit it the first time. And there's oh. nothing there is nothing more horrifying than it missing and that thing getting away. Where did it go? There's no more nothing more horrifying than where did it go? Because I love one of my favorite one of my favorite uh, memes ever. It was like before the memes even got out of control. I mean, this is from years ago. Was a meme of a spider saying, and it's just like on the top it says like Remember when you threw that shoe at me and missed? And on top of that, it says, and then at the bottom it says I remember too, or something like that. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it becomes like all out war at that point. Right then, I'm like, got to burn the house down or something like that. And you especially you see all stuff all sorts of stuff from Australia that's just horrifying. I don't know what's going on down there. With oh, their with their God, bugs dude. and their beasts and all oh, sorts of insane. things. It's insane. Like spiders that could bite you
1: through the rubber of your shoe and stuff like, like that. there's like some shit there's going no on there. There's no reason for that. No, I don't know what's going on in We're Australia. We're not the strongest species. We're just big and more intelligent. Right, exactly. That's the only difference. Yeah, these things are all about brute force. Oh, they would have took us out years ago if it wasn't for our intelligence. You know. Oh, but we can never stand up to them. Yeah, no doubt. Kyle, there's a fear that I, and I was researching the the top 10 biggest or most common phobias and number 10 on the list was something i had never heard about and i'm really trying to wrap my mind around it and it's called trypophobia the fear of holes hmm. so supposedly the you know some some of our listeners might have it if it's really that common of a thing i had personally never heard of it but supposedly you don't want to deal with anything with holes like a honeycomb whatever has holes in it donut a donut right anything with holes especially food whatever but here's the thing here's the problem with trypophobia your your body is full of holes you don't have to go any further than your face that's true to count quite a few holes that's true several holes on your face so fears are always irrational though it's really crazy like how yeah they are i mean absolutely irrational i even think about my claustrophobia which is actually pretty bad from time to time And even that is really irrational, like being, you know, for instance, like, I don't really like to talk about it because it's that much of a a fear with me, but being in the tunnel on the train, I don't like it. And I went through certain periods where I was really, it would be, it wasn't enough for me to not do it, but I would really white knuckle it through that tunnel, you know? So, but what, I mean, what was going to happen? You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Definitely. Yeah. I used to think about that in San Francisco just because of the earthquakes, Oh, well, that's a that's yeah. See, that compounds it when you actually add a little bit, a little bit of uh, reality into the situation.
0: Yeah. And that's been on the mind, actually, recently, because there was two bad earthquakes when I right before I left, both of which we felt very much. And yeah, I actually had a, I actually had a, I guess I had a nightmare a couple days ago when I was here of like a violent earthquake where I was did like, you Holy really shit? Yeah. So I guess it's on the mind. That's well, it would be it just happened. That's ago. part of the uh, risk of living uh, along the San Andreas Fault. We're probably all going to fall into the fucking ocean at some point. <laughs> just the way it's got to be. Edgar Casey predicted this a long time ago. His dad will remind me. Dagan, let's wrap things up. Okay, please. With a lightning round and then some dad jokes. Okay, my friend. We recorded two back to
1: back. So my laptop is dying. So I, I had the foresight to take a picture of my dad jokes.
0: Very nice. Because they
1: were on my laptop screen. All right, sir. But
0: lightning round first, right?
1: Oh, lightning round first. Of course. You fool. My, and I have that on my notebook, my handy dandy notebook here. Kyle. This is the last episode of Batch 9. It is. Wonderful job. Great job. Thank you. Likewise. Good to have you here in Philly. You're going to be proceeding down to visit our family in Virginia tomorrow. Yes, indeed. That'll be nice for everybody. And then we'll have
0: you out to California in September at some point. Wave 10. Yes. We're getting into the double digits. Yeah, I think it should actually work perfectly because you can come out for Wave 10, then I can come back out for Wave 11 like around Thanksgiving. Duh, That seems to work pretty nicely.
1: And I'm... It just so happens I'm having Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, well, that's perfect. There you go. Well, here I'll be. You'll be well fed. Well, I'm always well fed. That's true. That's true. Let's be
1: honest. (laughs) Let's be honest with each other. But our last lightning round versus mode. Versus mode. The fear edition. Let's see if I can read my handwriting. I think we'll be all right. Okay, Kyle. Fear the dead or fear the living? Fear the living. Ghosts or monsters? Which is scarier? Ghosts. I agree with you on that one. Which is scary are spiders or snakes another thing that didn't come up spiders snakes don't really scare me But a lot of people fear snakes Unless it's like a viper or something our Vindo listener, viper oh, Yeah poisonous snakes that's a scary thing There's something weird about venom and how this little thing could actually kill you with the poison that's in its body Right Something really crazy about that Definitely. But our, our listeners are too creative to have to be scared of snakes they had to come up with some other stuff I'm proud of you like guys Like church music Like church music and flying logos and things. Right. Dark. The dark. What's scarier, the dark or tight spaces? Tight spaces. What's scarier, aliens or zombies? Another thing that didn't come up was zombies. Yeah, zombies don't scare me. Aliens. Aliens are going aliens. definitely. Who's scarier? We talked about this a little bit. Remind us. Who's scarier, Jason Friday the Thirteenth or Michael Myers? Michael Myers is the oh, I agree put Freddy into that mix. Who's scary?
0: Still Michael Myers. I, I still look at Freddy and Jason as like a little more popcorny. Michael Myers. Yeah. There's nothing popcorny about Michael Myers, especially yeah. in those early movies. That's true. They're,
1: they're a little more B movie. Michael Myers is a little more. Serious.
0: I love Jason. Like, I love that character. I think it's a great character. Oh, it's like, he's but it's not. I don't really. I've never really found him that scary. Freddy, I did find scary for a little while. Yeah, me too, especially as a kid. Yeah, but Jason was never very scary. It was more this. It was more the original Friday the 13th is actually just sad. It's about, like, a kid who's, like... Yeah, the backstory of yeah, it? Yeah, like, about Crystal Lake and how the counselor is, like... It's a revenge story, basically. I gotta watch that again, actually. That's good stuff. Well,
1: we have many things to watch and get through on this. We show. We do. That would be an interesting one. That would be an interesting one to do with PJ, although I'm sure it's not scary enough for him, but...
0: Yeah, he has to watch some weird German shit We're not or gonna do a
1: Faces of Death episode, Paige, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's your thing. Okay, what's what would you rather be... Which situation would you rather be? Bridges is another thing that didn't come up, which I thought it would would you rather be stuck in an elevator or stuck on in a car on a broken down bridge like an extension bridge like a big bridge like the golden gate bridge or the georgia wash or the georgia wash, the georgia, wash. The georgia wash
0: uh probably an elevator would be a scarier for me yeah that's a scary one yeah, i got I stuck
1: so. in an elevator one, one of my greatest fears for a few minutes when i worked for federator this was probably like eight years ago and i was terrified i was absolutely terrified i was i was horrified I felt really bad for the woman who was in the elevator with me. Cause she was like an older lady and she was trying to be calm and I was terrifying her. <laughs> I was like, we have to call the 10th floor. I think that like, I was like, I was like just like talking nonstop and like, Oh, it was, it was a bad scene. I was so embarrassed. What's scarier. Now here's a thing set in nature. What's scarier, a bear or a cougar, like a mountain lion. A A bear. I think. You're going with the bear. I think so. Yeah. Did you see The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes, he gets, yes. Dude. If you're not scared I of did bears that. after that, at least for a little while. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. That was a great movie. freaking terrifying. I forgot about
0: that movie. Totally that forgot about that movie. That sequence terrifying. Yeah.
1: I was actually told not to watch that movie. They were like, Dagan, you can't watch that movie. And I was like, fuck you. I'm watching it. And I was terrified. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you rather drown or get eaten alive? Eaten alive. A very upbeat episode yeah definitely and i think that's it i think that's it my friend we got it all right we did it oh you know what there's
0: one more oh buttons or get beat up by a girl (laughs) i'd rather be with a jar of buttons i think they get beat up well sometimes getting beat up you know at this age i I wouldn't mind getting beat up by a girl (laughs) what can you think of something where let's say you're in high school some woman beats me up that's kind of (laughs) hot <laughs> That's actually yeah. Now that would be
1: great. Yeah, rough me up a little bit. Now that would be great. And that, that might go on with you in Vegas for all I know. I don't know. Yeah, well, what Whatever. happens in Vegas
0: stays in Vegas. Exactly. I don't know the stories. Yeah. Some but heinous shit going on there, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> shit is going down. But it's listen, as heinous as you think it is.
1: What? Let's say contemporary high school. So let's set it in 2019. What, okay. what what would be the what would make you lose the most social cred? Like the most face? Yeah. What would be the most horrific thing to happen you go everybody has that dream which i'm also surprised this didn't come up of being naked in school
0: yeah that never really that never resonated
1: with me i had that dream really yeah oh yeah i've had that dream of just being in my underwear in school absolutely
0: i don't know like i feel like maybe i'm just really not right about this maybe i'm just completely wrong but i just feel like kids are a little less hostile than they were when i was there i think that's true and I feel like maybe that, like crime in the United States has never been lower. For instance, right? right? So, which is so funny because there's all this talk about how dangerous it's not dangerous at all in the United States. It's it's literally never been safer to be in the United States than it is right now. Even with gun crime and all that kind of stuff, there are fewer homicides, fewer robberies, fewer rapes. Right. It, like year over year over year over year.
1: No, absolutely.
0: And so I feel like we're getting to a point where it's not. That's not the thing you fear when you're a kid. I don't think anymore. Now I think it's a lot of the the complicated social dynamic that exists between children and teens there must exist between the real world and the internet and all the anonymity and social media and stuff i think it's probably a pretty tough tightrope to walk these days i would that's imagine that's true social because
1: media absolutely back
0: in the day when i was in high school we had aim and that was about as crazy as it got that was it i mean we didn't have anything No right. someone was texting each other that didn't exist right so we had notes
1: yeah no notebook
0: paper yeah i used to pass notes in school i had a whole shoebox full of notes that would like you know you keep your notes and stuff like that yeah yeah which i think Allie inspired me to do and so keep everything yeah like put in a shoebox because i think that's what she used to do i I may or may not have used to go i may or may not have gone through her notes when she lived in Maine so (laughs) (laughs) i definitely did but i don't remember what any of them said like that that's what i What i don't know right right that was a long time ago yeah but yeah so i think that for me I just I kind of wonder how kids persist in this world. I guess not exist in it, but actually persist in this world because it seems much more complicated. It's almost like you think about the movie Three O'clock High, for instance. Oh, great great example movie, right? Yeah, that I feel like was happening to people. Like it's a little comic book, but. It, it was happening. I don't feel like anyone's like, being. You know, like, I'll meet you outside. And like, I've yeah, had the, that experience. The so leather. The, yeah. meet you outside thing. Absolutely. The like the leather coat clad bully or whatever. I just don't know that that kind of stuff's really happening anymore because I think that like people are a little kinder. Parents are a little more involved. Teachers are a little more aware. The social dynamic is just different. I feel like I was probably amongst the last people that really had an unusual analog social experience that required a lot of FaceTime with people and a lot of literal physical talking and a lot of posturing, whatever that might have been. Right. I feel like it's all passive aggressive now. I feel like the internet is one massive passive aggressive globe, right? So like, why wouldn't it be that way in school? I I totally hear you. And I think
1: that does resonate that you were probably that last generation to deal with those things.
0: You guys. Dude, we didn't even have... I sent my text message for the first time when I was a junior in college. Like, so this is not... People like when I got to college, no one texted each other. When I left college, everyone texted each other. Yeah, you were, but right, we were still it was, doing it on flip phones, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Things radically changed over time. And I remember when I started working at IGN, everyone talked on AIM in the industry. You had everyone on your AIM list in the industry: PR the people, marketers, yeah, devs. Obviously, your fellow journalists and all that kind of stuff. By the my last year at IGN, I never signed a name. Yeah. Except Canadians. they We talked about that. They always use MSN Messenger. For some right. Reason. Yeah. Which is weird. That's really strange. In fact, I, well, AIM doesn't exist anymore. They shut it down. But I couldn't even remember my password to get into AIM after wow. a while. Like it was just over. I was like, well, I don't need this anymore. Right. It ended. Yeah. It was just done. And who cares? Yeah. And then they moved on to Slack or whatever, whatever people use now. So, yeah, I, I think that things just radically changed. And so I I, one, I think the dynamics have never been more complicated, but I probably assume that it brings more peace. To the situation I would think so I
1: mean I would definitely think so yeah I mean I think these things still exist bullying and social pressures and all that kind of stuff definitely. but I think to a lesser degree a much lesser degree which is nice I mean do your kids get picked on they haven't really you know knock on wood they haven't really dealt with anything but the as you said already as you guessed the, there's an implementation in school where they have peer counselors you know, Lily is in like a kindness club where somebody feels like they're getting bullied or having a hard time, they could come to their peers. And then if they feel like it needs to escalate to having going to the next level, they could go to an adult in school. They have, you know, there's counselors in elementary school, you know, that work in tandem with the nurse that are just there full time to deal with problems that kids are having socially or at home. It's different. And, you know, it, it could be the school, you know, I live in a different school district now than my kids go to a much different school district than where I grew up. And I don't when I, you know, it sounds so snotty when I say that, but we just, that's just the reality of the situation. The school, South Country School District on Long Island, then, I can't speak to it now, was a very mediocre school district. Probably, I'm being kind by saying that, it probably aired on the lower side of the quality of the, the school district itself. And I think that's part of it. But I also think it's just on people's radar now. I think parents are just more cognizant. I think parents are a little more available than they were, which is weird because a lot of, you know, a lot of households, both parents are working, such as my household. But I just think times have changed. I just think kids just have an easier time because they just have they have more help.
0: Yeah, it's good. I think that they're it seems like they're growing up a little too quick sometimes in a lot of different ways, but I think that's true. I also don't like kids very much. Like I like my nieces and nephews obviously, right. but I don't like being around kids. I I I'm no one, You want to talk about something that scares me? Kids scare me.
1: That's be- interesting. Because
0: they You're pretty good with kids. Yeah, no. I I I don't think I'm not not good with kids. I just don't really want to be around them. Interesting. Very much. Very interesting. Because they are a little too honest.
1: They're they a little are very too
0: honest. They don't have social grace. They don't understand anything. You can't really say a lot of stuff around them. Right. I remember talking to Allie and mom about something last time I was home and Declan, our oldest nephew, who's what, 13? Yeah. He was sitting at the table. He might have been 12 at the time. And I was talking pretty candidly about something. And Allie was like, well, he's sitting right here. And I'm like, who cares? Right, right, right. You know, he's 12. Like it's what is the big deal, right? You know? Right. And so I don't even understand. Like I always joke around. I'm like, when someone like one of my friends will be like, oh, you know, my so, and so you know they have a kid, they're like, oh, just just talk for the first time. I was like, that good? Like I don't know, <laughs> you know, they did it at whatever age, and I'm like, is that normal? Right. Right. I don't know. No earmuffs required. Well, I'm what I'm saying is, is the sense of like someone will say like my baby started walking or crawling, and I'm like, oh, oh, you know, oh, I'm like, oh, oh.
1: like you have no frame of reference. Yeah, but. and I'm like, all right. Uh, well, that's because you're not a dad. Yeah, or but you're I'm not like, a dad uh, yeah.
0: Is that? Whatever it is. I mean, okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't understand them. I don't especially like them very much. And then when they become adults, I like them, you know
1: that's interesting
0: like like i was saying declan and now lilia really your daughter declan is dana's oldest kid they're the only ones i really feel like i can have like a normal conversation with i can't really have a conversation with any of them until they're coming of age now well yeah because they understand things now a little bit better like you can have an adult conversation with i don't even know what they're talking about half the time you know these younger kids (gasps) what are you saying i don't know what you're saying it is funny to be that
1: age now yeah it's funny it's a different thing you know what my problem is Kyle I still feel like a. it really is actually an issue because I'm a 45 year old man I still feel like a kid in many ways and I'm certainly not I'm certainly very far from being a kid and that's my biggest issue I think I still wish I was a kid
0: oh yeah definitely hold on to it for as long as you can if you're a teenager right now listening to this hold oh on to my it.
1: gosh please just please hold, just hold
0: friends. on for dear life won't you let's get the hell out of here. I'm hungry. Let's go to the diner. Yeah, so we're going to go to the diner, guys. We're going to go see
1: the waitress that we always talk about, see if she recognizes us. Hopefully, she's there this time. And um, thank well, you for listening to yeah, us. Yeah, thank
0: you. And we'll report back during wave yeah, 10 so if, we'll if, if she... Back. If she recognized us i think we went we went too late maybe last time she doesn't also have to work every day we don't know what's going on with her she I, does what i fear is that she does have to work every day she's, she does she's a slave to that she's diner. uh she's in
1: quite debt a lot of debt
0: she's in a, oh you're making a little backstory I mean, yeah, for. let's give us a backstory make, make some flesh intrigue. her out some intrigue make a diner bible <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for your kindness, generosity, support. Remember, support us on patreon.com slash stand for early ad-free access to our show, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, submit your topic ideas, et cetera. We cannot do it without you. If you listen to us on free feeds, that's great too. We love our freeloaders, but let your family and friends know about us. Leave us nice reviews, etc., etc. 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 Oh. Etc. That's Goodbye. it. Tickly Monsters coming. <laughs> Knockback is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded in Santa Monica, California, and the Philadelphia suburbs of Pennsylvania, USA. The show is produced by me, Colin Moriarty, and was conceived of by myself and Dagan Moriarty, who is also my co-host. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Dagan is on Twitter at Dagan 1973 and on Instagram at Dagan Likes to Draw. Knockback is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. As you know, all things Collins Last Stand, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algaret, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Justin Bearden, Martin Beck, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Blossford, Andrew Bonnell, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jimmy Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Nick Calloway, Tom Cargill, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Mitchell Durkash, Zachary Douglas, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Martha Emery, Liam Fagan, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem, Al. Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyatt Henry, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa El-Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jaggard, Jimmy Jollicure, Joshua Johnson, Greg Julifs, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Auntie Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Kenneth Kopnick, Joshua Koga, Andre Kozachka, Ron Kroskoff, Jackson Lostaqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Duncan Leishman, Matthew Lenz, Jeffrey Leonard, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith A. Lewis Chad Lewis Lou and Ray Loper Colin Love Josh M. Ryan T. Mandel David Mann Peter Mark Matt Martin Michael Martinez Sean Mason Jordan Mouse Zachariah McAdoo John McCarthy Josh McKinney Joe McPartland Philip J. Melk Andrew Mendoza Christopher Midling, Matthew Miller Alex Mones Chris Moore Betty Ann Moriarty Abe Mukhtar Ryan Murdoch Adam Nix Donnie Nolan George A. Nunez Grayson Orr Brian Ott Jesse Owen Jorge Palomino Andrew Parker Daniel Parsons Marius S. Peterson Gerald Pennington Matthew Perdue Enrique Perez Jason Pettit Travis Plymel Tibo Poplier, Louis Powell Lawrence F. Prokop Sharo Kader Hamakareem Andrew Ramos Ryan Reeves Michael Renner Peter Reynolds Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice Mark Richardson Toby D. Riemenschneider Daniel Rivas Johnny Rosado Petro Rose A.G. Rowe Jose Salinas John Schultz Michael Shanholz Toby Schutman Glendon C. Simper Joshua Smallwood Daniel Strycharski, Wesley Simmons Ahmad Tamar Will Velander, Ben Thompson Ren Todd Carl Tolman Alan Tremblay Raymond Vargas Michael Vecchio Oakley Waldron Justin Wagaman Troy Walters Connor Walton I Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Josh Wire, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Hugo's Desk, Organic Produce, Jeff, Casual Misfits Gaming, Super Shot ST, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, Infinite, Madmock Media, Fabian, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Scott, Renick Donk2015, and Gavin.